Hey guys, this is Wildcat Chris Harris, one half of America's Most Wanted from TNA Impact. You are watching the Insider's Edge podcast. All I know has been paid for by the WZWA Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Insider's Edge podcast here on the WZWA Network. I'm your host with the most on the West Coast, California in Fury. It is great to be with you all once again and here tonight for me. Very excited to talk to my guest at this time because I was there you know, watching NWA TNA when it first started coming about. And although it was frustrating at the beginning because we didn't have the pay-per-views airing in Australia, I was reading results over and over again, trying to find footage online anywhere that I could. Finally, they started airing TNA over here. And this guy and one of his former tag team partners were certainly one of my favorite teams going. And so without any further ado, at this time, I would like to introduce former seven-time NWA World Tag Team team champion, three-time NWF, sorry, heavyweight champion, one-time North American heavyweight champion, and of course, one-time NWA cyberspace heavyweight and tag team champion. He is the one and only, the incomparable Wildcat, Chris Harris. How are you going, Chris? I'm great, Carl. Thank you for that introduction. That was awesome. <laughs> no worries, bro. I did stumble over my words, but uh, I have had a long day, so... <laughs> you got it all out. <laughs> uh, Chris, thanks so much for being on the show. And look, I, I, look, I'm playing up to you right here. I've got, I've got a wildcat on my shirt right there. But I love it, man. I love that. I love the jacket. I, li I like the look. Thank you, bro. I appreciate that. But the, before we start this interview, there's something that I, I'm not sure if you're aware of it, because uh, I live in Perth, Western Australia, and I'm not sure if you're aware of any of the Australian sporting teams over here. But for the last 30 to 40 years in our National Basketball Association here, the NBL, uh, we have a team here in Perth, and I'm not sure if you're aware of it, but they've probably been to the final series almost every year that they have been in the league for the last 40 years and they're actually called the perth wildcats i don't know if you knew that but <laughs> i didn't know that man i should be getting some royalties on those victories bro <laughs> so just so you know there have been two success stories in the world being a wildcat and your story is something that i'm very excited to get into here today bro but i thought i'd i'd uh, pop you with that there uh first question as usual on the show chris is how did you become a wrestling fan when you were a young man uh like a lot of guys uh back in my day um we uh i became a fan watching it on saturday mornings um, that was the big uh wrestling shows the wrestling time um so, yeah, I was a kid. I was waking up, and instead of watching the cartoons, I was watching wrestling, man. I was looking forward to that. So so I got hooked on that, and, um, uh, you know, that just brought me into the uh, – wasn't really pay-per-views back then, but uh, I started watching the big events, and uh, we had Saturday night's main event. And, uh, man, I, I just got so involved in it, and um, everything that was around me just became wrestling. And, you know, I never took it serious at first, but um, – you know, I spent my, uh, you know, my, my, my school years uh, being a fan. And I guess I had thought about it, but uh, once I, once I graduated high school, I, you know, kind of did what I thought everybody was supposed to do. I went to college 
And, um, you know, I thought about some other directions, but I just could never get wrestling off my mind. And I really started taking it serious and spent about two years in college still with no direction. And, um, and that was it. I uh, had to get out and I thought, man, if I'm going to, if I'm going to give this wrestling a try, I got to do it now. So, uh, so I got out of college after a couple of years and did my research, man, and went and got the training. <laughs> it's funny. A lot of, I've had nearly 70 guests on the show so far. Uh, it's so funny how almost everyone's story is, is pretty similar. Like you, you think you should go down this road in life, but there's this, this, this niggling itch that just won't go away. And eventually you, you get to a point where you're at this crossroads and you're like, you know what? I got to go for it. Um, so I really love that. Yeah, story. Wrestling's wrestling is such an odd choice in life. And uh, <laughs> you know, you got, you got, you know, parents and, and family and, you know, your friends are going to school for, uh, you know, certain career choices. And, you know, that's just, uh, I, I just wasn't into that. I don't know what it was. It was just, you know, this, this wrestling bug was just attached to me and, and it's something, you know, I'd kind of played around in the, the backyards, like a lot of guys and um, just felt like this could really do something. So, yeah, man. I mean, you know, even though with everybody telling you, you know, it's a bad idea and, you know, you can't do it and you're too small and, all this stuff, you know, you just, when you get it in your head, man, and it's in your heart, uh, you just, you, you just want to take that direction and, and just go with it, man. You gotta, you gotta throw everything into it because it is a hard business. So you gotta be focused. Yeah, absolutely. I remember when I told my dad that I wanted to be a wrestler when I, when I grew up, when I was a teenager, um, the look that he gave me was like, I just told him that uh, my lifelong dream was to be a ventriloquist. So yeah. uh, he, he wasn't very impressed, but uh, lucky for some, they did get into the business and did do well. I'm happy being at this in this side of it, but uh, I wanted to ask you, okay, you, you've made this decision now. Where's the first place you go? How do you go about figuring out how to get into the business, how to go get trained? Um. What I did, and I don't know if this was a, a very popular thing to do, but, um, you know, the, the wrestling magazines were pretty big back then. And uh, I kind of did some research. I'm from the Cincinnati area. I did some research around uh, this area as far as some different promotions. And, um, and I was looking at training centers. And uh, I found one. It wound up being about three and a half hours away from my home. But it was a very credible uh, training center, which, you know, I, that's some of the advice I give to a lot of the young guys now when they say, you know, how do I get into the business? Uh, there's so many um, uh, shitball training centers out there now that just, uh, you know, aren't, aren't worth anything, man. You, you got to do the, the, some, some research and uh, find a good credible one, maybe look up and see what some of the, the uh, trainers have done in their career. Um, but yeah, I found one that I was I was uh, pretty confident went uh, with and uh, went up did a tryout. Uh, actually, a, almost a year before I started, I did a little tryout and um, uh, I was good. They were interested. I was interested. Um, they said just you know do your best to put on some weight. I was real skinny and I, I had the height, but I was real skinny. And um, so for the next year, I, I pretty much just uh, saved up everything I could and uh, and dove right into it, man. I um, I only did it once a week. I know a lot of, a lot of guys, you know, if it's close to home, they get to train maybe two, three times a week um, with a job. I was, um, I was only doing it once a week, but I was driving three and a half hours um, up, uh, getting my ass beat for about three hours and then driving three and a half hours back and having to be back at, at my regular job about five, six o'clock in the morning. So 
So it was a rough road, man, but, um, but I got some good training out of it. Um, I, um, I kind of had a two part training because uh, back then I was, I was trained very well physically. Um, they, they trained me well on uh, reversals and holds and counter holds and, and things like that. So I could get in the ring and I could, I could call a match while I was in there and, and do really well at that. Uh, what I was lacking was, um, uh, I guess in a nutshell, the psychology of wrestling. And, um, and I wound up getting, uh, getting in, um, in touch with a promotion more close to home. And I found out, um, I went to one of their events and started talking to him about it. I told him I had been trained and I had a few matches under my belt. And, uh, so I got in with that promotion, but I also continued my training there. And that was with Roger Ruffin, uh, in Cincinnati. Um, he had a history, uh, he, he refereed with the WWF, uh, for a lot of years, late eighties, early nineties. Um, and that's when I really learned, you know, it, it wasn't just what you could do in a match, but it was what you could do and when you could do it and when it made sense. And I just learned so much uh, as far as, you know, everything that goes up here. I, I was good physically, but I just needed to train my brain and, and um, learn the do's and don'ts of, of wrestling, the etiquette, things like that. So um, all, all, you know, well-rounded um, with both training facilities, but it, it made me a better, uh, better wrestler. And um, then it was just a matter of getting the experience under my belt. Absolutely. And uh, this is, I do my research, but sometimes the internet can lie. I, I need to know if this is true. Did you, did You're you kidding. debut, did you debut in uh, November of 1994? Is that correct? That is correct. And that was with the, the promotion uh, that was north of Cincinnati. Uh, I debuted November of 94 and uh, had maybe, I, I think I had like three matches with that promotion before I got um, uh, hooked up with the Cincinnati promotion. And I remember talking to my guy, my original trainer, and I said, hey, I got this local promotion. I'd like to, you know, I can get some experience and it's close to home. And um, and he said, well, tell him you've had a couple dozen matches under your belt. And so I, I completely lied to the promoter here. And they said, how much experience do you have? And I told him I had a couple dozen matches and I'd had three. <laughs> so, um, you know, it's funny. I, I haven't in a long, I haven't in a long time, but I, I remember uh, a few times looking back at some of those early matches. I was awful, man. I just, it's just, <laughs> it's almost embarrassing to think of where I was. And they thought I was good. Uh, you know, I had the, since it was my hometown, I had the hometown crowd behind me. So of course, promoters look at that, you know, if you're getting over. So I had the people with me, but man, the matches were just awful. So uh, looking back, it was embarrassing, but Hey, I got their attention. So it worked. <laughs> Humble beginnings. Of course. Uh, in my research, the, the first match that I, I could find any sort of result about was on the, the fifth of, uh, um, May 1995, teaming with Shane Andrews to take on the Glamour Boys at Peel's Palace in Erlanger, Kentucky. Is that correct? Do you remember that at all? I don't remember that match, but the Peel's Palace events were the ones I, I did start doing. So we were running there once a month and among other cities. But uh, yeah, the Peel's Palace, um, I don't know, a lot of people probably won't remember, but the Smoky Mountain promotion that Jim Cornette ran, um, th that was one of their spots. And right about the same time I came in, um, for whatever reason, I think that might have been when Smoky Mountain was having a lot of trouble, maybe, uh, you know, just days or weeks before they uh, shut down. But 
they pulled out, pulled out of an event that was advertised. And so the, the Peel's Palace had advertised a wrestling event. So Smoky Mountain pulled out. So they needed a last minute replacement. That's when this promotion stepped in. And uh, that was the that was the event that I went to to where I made my connection. So, um, yeah, Peel's Palace was was a huge event for us every month. Went on for several years. Um, that match in particular, I don't remember, but um, that's <laughs> I'm, I'm sure if you did your research, man, that sounds about right. <laughs> cool, bro. Um, and, and for those out there, it might be blowing your mind that Chris Harris was wrestling in the mid-90s. He didn't just show up all of a sudden in TNA. It took, there's a journey to get there. And this is my favorite part, the journey to get to, you know, these places that, you know, you, you become famous for. Uh, and... Another thing that I found in my research, the 20th of August, 1996 in Columbus, Ohio, uh, you worked two tapings for WWF superstars. And strangely enough, they're both against one, Justin Hawk Bradshaw, AKA JBL. And the next was against Farouk, AKA Ron Simmons, who would later on become a very famous tag team themselves. But how was that experience so early in your career to be working on a WWF superstars taping with these two big guys? Yeah, very interesting to very interesting to look back and see that uh, the two singles matches were, you know, just a few years later, they'd become one of the best tag teams there was. But uh, yeah, so I was getting, um, um, yeah, a lot of people think that success happens overnight, man. You know, once you, once you get to a big promotion, but um, yeah, there's a lot, especially back then, you know, there's a lot of paying your dues and um, you know, a lot of, you know, getting experience under your belt. Um, yeah, I guess, uh, let's see, most of 95 and, um, early 96 um i was still connected with the northern promotion and um they were big on uh, i guess they had their connections you know anytime uh wwf was in town you know that you know this was back in in the days of the enhancement talent uh but they you know they, they they were the they were one of the groups that they were called to bring in enhancement talent and so i was asked about it and that was all new to me Usually, ignorant to say this now but um being that i was doing well on certain shows you know in, in the back of my mind i'm like i don't know if i want to get uh, go on tv and get my ass beat and look you know make it make the promotion look bad and that but um i um i sought advice from roger ruffin the guy that was you know running the promotion and, and him being a wwf guy um he he advised me he said take the opportunity he said go in he said, don't you, you know, don't even think about the promotion or here or anything like that. Go in, get your experience and, um, you know, and learn from it. So, yeah, I went with the guys and we went on the road and I think we did, uh, I, it might've been like a three day taping. Um, I think we did a pay-per-view in Cleveland and then um, I guess a Monday and Tuesday taping. You, you probably know the cities, which I think you said Columbus and yeah. Um, but uh yeah so we were in there and um i think my first match was with farouk and then the second night was uh bradshaw and um you know as, as rough and tough as those guys are and they have a reputation you know I, I i think i was actually lucky um they were both new in wwf at the time so they weren't looking to ruffle any feathers i don't think you know <laughs> I, I think if i had uh uh, either one of them, especially JBL, if I'd have had him, you know, later on in the, you know, 99 or something like that, I think he'd have probably, you know, <laughs> broke me in half. But uh, um, I was actually lucky to just get a chipped tooth. That um, that boot and clothesline from JBL really uh, knocked the hell out of me. But um, 
<laughs> but yeah, for the most part, man, it was it was it was a great experience. They were cool to work with. Um, I got in there. I still I still go back and watch that sometimes, just uh, just for a laugh. But but yeah, I got my first experience there. You know, in '96. You know, I I was enhancement talent, so there was really n- no direction to go. It was just a a one off thing. But uh, it was a great experience. It was great to just to be in the back of the big time of you know. Uh, something I had dreamed of and uh, so it was it was very exciting I got to see some of the top stars Uh, one interesting note though I remember when we were they were kind of picking them the matches Um, you know you you think I might have drawn the short straw with getting Farouk and Bradshaw but some (laughs) of the other options were Sid Vader you know I mean you couldn't you you really weren't going to win either way so um (laughs) So, uh, but yeah, it was a great experience, man. So uh, I, I recommend that for, for anybody that has a chance to do that, you know, go, especially early in your, your career, uh, go do it, get the experience, you know, and, and, you know, you, you can only learn from it. Absolutely. Yeah. We've had plenty of the guys on the show that have, uh, you know, done the old wrestling challenges and look at the board and they find out that they're against the road warriors that day. So it can, it can get worse. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, so you plug along, you know, <clears throat> in the, in the nineties up and I'm, and I'm skimming forward here to the 19th of January, 2000 uh, in Cape Girardeau, uh, Missouri. I, I think I got that uh, pronunciation correct. Um, you face Buzzkill, AKA Brad Armstrong in your WCW debut. Um, how did this opportunity come about to, to work with WCW? Uh, so uh, I, during the late 90s, um, I was doing a lot of uh, the area around here. It was uh, Kentucky, Ohio, uh, West Virginia, Indiana. Um, I had an opportunity to go to Tennessee, to Nashville, which um, even though the territory days had been gone, Nashville was a really big territory, you know, Nashville, Memphis, uh, those kind of areas. So um, I had a connection. So I was brought down uh, to Nashville to do that. They were they were doing uh, local TV down there. So I went down there and uh, a guy named by the name of Burt Prentice, he was pretty, pretty well known um, around then. Uh, so I started working for him and uh, again, got got their attention. They they were really happy with me, started bringing me down every week. Well, Bert was really close with uh, Terry Taylor, who at the time was uh, talent relations for WCW. So again, it was it was a similar situation to the WWF um, deal. They wanted to bring some guys in, but they were also looking. You know, this was two thousand, so you know we're just over a year away from it shutting down. But they were bringing guys in for to do uh, a lot of security. So we were going to do security for Nitro and Thunder. But we were going to get some matches, and, and back then they had the WCW Saturday Night Shows, the uh, Sunday Worldwide, I think it was called. Um, and the difference with this was, you know, even though I guess we were considered enhancement talent, these were much more competitive matches, so it wasn't just a squash. Um, uh, but I do have to correct you on one thing. My first match in WCW was with Booker T. Oh, okay. Uh, it was later on that I did uh, Buzzkill, who was uh, – uh, Armstrong, um, uh, Brad Armstrong, Brad. Yeah. Brad. Yeah. Um, which you know, everybody ha- only has good things to say about Brad. It was great working with Brad. Um, but yeah, my first match there was with Booker T. Uh, okay. Booker was great. You know, he, uh, he, you know, it was a competitive match. Um, but all the matches that we did, I mean, that, that was the thing, you know, that, um, to me, that was a step up from WWF. Not only had I had experience under my belt, but, 
Um, it was competitive matches. Uh, we were on uh, the shows that were, um, you know, featuring new talent, uh, like the Worldwide and the Saturday Night. But then we were doing security, and even back then it was called R&B security. I don't know if you remember that, but that was yeah. the – that was when Russo and Bischoff were in charge. And so they had their own <laughs> security team. So uh, we kind of made a joke that it was called run and bump security because <laughs> I, every time we ran in, we get, you know, get knocked on our asses. So, uh, but again, great experience. I did that most of 2000 um, being paid per event. And, you know, there was always a group of us being sent in, um, you know, just being paid per event. Um, I was one of the regulars. So I was actually making some decent money, uh, just on the level I was at. And then um, in October of 2000, I was actually, I was one of the very, very few out of the groups that were being brought in. I was offered a contract by Terry Taylor. So I, I actually signed a WCW contract in October of 2000. Right. Yeah, that's really awesome. It, I mean, it is awesome, but at the same time, there's only a few more months left, which no one could have yeah. uh, figured out at that point. But uh, I, I did find it Who interesting. Yeah, exactly. Um, your next matches after, uh, you know, the Booker and the Brad Armstrong matches. I thought it was interesting to note that you wrestled on the final edition of WCW Saturday night before they made it a morning uh, clip show. But you've, you faced Chuck Palumbo on March 29th. Um, so, you know, the mothership's gone now, um, but you, you got to be on the final episode of that, uh, believe it or not. Uh, and then May 9th, this is amazing. You, you wrestled Kurt Hennig on Worldwide. Um, yeah. I think that is, uh, as soon as I saw that, I was like, I got to bring up Kurt Hennig's name. Tell me, how was that working with him? Oh, that was great, man. I mean, uh, all those matches I had in WCW, you know, only made me better. Um, I worked with a lot of the young talent like Chuck Palumbo, uh, but I also got to get in there, you know, Brad Armstrong, Booker, uh, Shane Douglas, and of course, Kurt Hennig. Uh, that was my first meeting with Kurt. Um, later on, we become friends, but uh, that was my first meeting. And again, you know, cool as can be, um, just kind of chilled. And, um, you know, a lot of people ask me what those kind of did those days were, you know, uh, leading up to the end. Um, I wasn't on the inside. I wasn't a higher talent, so I really don't know. But, you know, who knows what these guys were thinking if they if they saw the writing on the wall. But, um yeah, it was, it was a pleasure to get to work with Kurt. Um, I've looked back at that match and, um, you know, it was a lot of fun and, you know, it's a, it's actually an honor to take the perfect plex. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. so that, that was pretty cool, but yeah, man, um, that was, that was a great experience. Working with all those guys was great. And, uh, you know, it just led me to um, a, a good friendship with him later on. Yeah, that's cool, bro. Yeah. And, and as I was saying before, um, uh, just a few other matches just to you know because i like to just name drop all this just to yeah, show this is how going down memory lane man <laughs> just to show how how great i am at research uh <laughs> may 9th and worldwide against the mamelukes uh and then of course may 23rd um against shane douglas uh sorry oh, 23rd with the Marmalukes, then the week later against Shane Douglas. So that's pretty cool. 22nd of August, 2000 against Elix Skipper for the Cruiserweight titled in Tulsa, Oklahoma on Worldwide. Um, in my research, it, look, again, I was wrong about the Booker T, Brad Armstrong thing, but this <laughs> appears to be the actual final match that you have in WCW. If I am wrong, please tell me. I know that you do do something at Halloween, Halloween Havoc 2000, um, yeah. would this be your last match? Are we waiting to be booked for something else or is my research just completely wrong here? 
No, you, um, other than the Booker T, man, I, I, I can't argue with you. You know, you may, you may have all of it down. Um, yeah, those, uh, a lot of those names I forgot. I, you know, it's kind of funny to look back and think that I had a singles match with Elix, considering we had some really good tag team wars later on. But, uh, yeah, I don't know when the matches started winding down. I, I, I'm assuming we were still doing security. Yeah. But, um, yeah, around that time, uh, I guess it had to be around Halloween Havoc, but um, yeah, man, I, I started doing a lot of, uh, uh, Sting took some time off and um, and it was just the, the look, man. I have to you know give it to the look, you know, and even though his hair was a little shorter then, um, I had that crow look that, um, you know, a lot of people saw and, and they immediately scooped me up for that. And um, I started doing some, uh, you know, fill-ins for Sting. I, they had me, uh, there were some times I, I was in the rafters Oh, uh, so you just got a, a, a distance shot so it looked looked like him there were some times i came out of a coffin um which on times like that they were doing the fl- the strobe light so you couldn't really get a good look to see if it was him or not and then of course uh, the 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 main one man the the one i'm most proud of was the halloween havoc <laughs> tell me a little bit about that um you know that must have been a fun experience being able to uh dress as sting and, and be on pay-per-view for it yeah man i it, it looking back it, it kind of got watered down because there were so many stings that that match <laughs> um but I, I i'd like to think that you know mine was the most memorable um uh there was a lot of them that, that kind of interfered and sting took care of them but then uh at the end um I came from up from under the ring, man, just broke through the canvas and, uh, and pulled him down underneath. And, um, you know, we fought back out and uh, uh, gave him a guitar shot because he was wrestling Jeff Jarrett at the time. I gave Sting a guitar shot. Um, but, yeah, that was that was a load of fun, man. I, mean, I gave everything I could because, you know, even though that wasn't a match, you know, they're, they're still looking to see what kind of a performance you give. So, um you know, I made sure with Jeff and Sting that everything was cool. And, um, yeah, what an experience, man. You know, they, um, you know, hiding underneath the ring, they had a little monitor down there. So I, <laughs> I knew exactly, you know, when, when to, to pop up, but, um, great experience, man. And, and the great part is we're over 20 years later and, uh, but, uh, we're still talking about it. So that, that was great. And, and the bonus of it is Sting actually painted my face for a lot wow. of these, uh, and so as he's painting, he, you know, from Sting's mouth, he looked at me, he said, this is so weird. This is like looking in a mirror. <laughs> and I took that as an extreme compliment, man, for Sting to say something like that. So very cool experience. Absolutely, bro. Uh, I read somewhere, uh, I believe it was Terry Taylor. Again, I might be wrong. Uh, country singer gimmick for you in WSW. Is that true? <laughs> yeah man um a lot of people don't remember this because i guess it's been so long but uh in 2000 um again i was wrestling in the nashville area and uh one of the artists clay davidson uh was doing a song and it's it was um it was kind of related to any entertainment business but they picked wrestling so the video is all about wrestling um and uh his song just kind of revolved around, you know, the, the, you know, putting on, putting on your act, you know, when you go out in front of the people, but you're a real human when you come back. And, um, but anyway, they did, they did some um, searching around for the wrestler they wanted to focus uh, in this video. And they went to a couple shows 
and they were actually looking at it. I hope I don't get in trouble for saying this. You know, I, I think he was pissed off back at, back in the day. But uh, Mike Rapata, the Colorado kid, I don't, I don't know what a lot of people remember that name, but he was the big name back then. I think he might have even been NWA world champion at the time, but um, he was the one they were really uh, focusing on. They're like, hey, take a look at this guy. Take a look at this guy. You know, hopefully we get him in the video. And uh, they came to the event and they took an eye to me, man. And uh, they started asking questions about me. So uh, Bert Brennis, the promoter, um, put me in contact with him and, and we made a deal and um, we filmed this video. Turned out awesome, man. It went to number one on CMT. Um, it's a really cool video, cool song. And um, it was it was all a timing thing. You know, that, that was coming out uh, while I was in WCW. So in my eyes, I looked at it like, man, this, you know, it, how many times can you say in wrestling, you know, something's never been done. And to make a debut as a character from a country music video, you know, I'm not, I don't know the details that would go into it, but you know, it's, it's so unique and creative. It's something different. I thought it was going to be awesome. Now I'm not much into a, you know, being a country music singer or anything like that, but Hey, neither was Jeff Jarrett. So uh, you know, maybe we could have made something work, but they actually talked about debuting that video, debuting me as a character and, um, and actually doing a program with Jeff. So, um, you know, I was excited about it, but it really didn't last long. And they, uh, they kind of shut it down. And again, this, these were towards the dying days. So I don't know if it was, uh, you know, politics behind the scenes. I'm not really sure, but I do know that I was told that um, it was, it was almost too country, too Southern, kind of thing and which I, I thought was BS because you know everybody always looks at WWF as the New York Northern promotion and WCW was a Southern promotion so I mean how how can it be too Southern you know it just didn't make any sense so um, I thought that was BS I think it was more you know more politics going on with the company but you know maybe they just weren't looking to build new stars that, that I, I really don't know but but yeah that was talked about man and I, I think I think that was a missed opportunity I think even though we were months away from closing. Um, it would have been a, a pretty cool debut for the short time that it would have it would have gone on to. Absolutely, man. And um, you know what? I've just realized that I lied earlier. Um, it was the, the match with Elix was not the last one. 18th of February 2001, apparently you wrestled Kid Romeo uh in uh the Nashville Auditorium uh for a dark match on the pay-per-view Super Brawl Revenge. Um, so I, I, I just realized that that was further down in my notes, but, uh, <laughs> that actually does sound, sound more like it. Cause, um, I think that they were winding down the TVs and, uh, again, you know, you, you just kind of look at these steps. I, I think they wanted to do something with me. There was just more going on with the promotion of, you know, and, and them trying to keep it up. So, um, yeah, I remember that, you know, of course the Nashville, you know, a lot of us were brought in for whatever reason, uh, security or anything. And, um, they gave me a dark match and I don't think they're looking. And, and if I remember correctly, you probably have in your notes, but I think they put me over. So yeah, um, yeah. they might've been looking to, you know, if it had been around, if it had lasted any longer, I think there could have been an opportunity, but yeah, I got a dark match with kid Romeo. Um, it wasn't, he wasn't great to work with, but you know, we got through it and, um, and I, I, I love the experience. And I was in front of Nashville. So Nashville was familiar with me at the time. So it was, that was really cool. Yeah, that's cool, man. I'm glad that I, I found that in my notes because um, it makes so much sense now to what you were saying about the, 
the gimmick idea that was there. They might have been thinking, okay, like let's look at some guys because this thing might continue if Eric Bischoff is able to get his investors involved. Let's look at some guys here and there. I know that the the Shane twins actually did a dark match on the uh, last edition of Thunder, which makes no sense at all. But that maybe <laughs> they, were, they were still hopeful that you know something might um, transpire. So um, I think but- everything everybody was hopeful at that time. You know, I, I didn't know what the opportunities were. You know, I, I probably. Didn't even know that you know Bischoff was was in the running or anything like that I didn't know that until later on but um I think everybody was hopeful and you know it just didn't didn't work out yeah it's one of the worst things that ever happened to be honest uh but <laughs> it's okay because it and and- somebody in my spot man you know growing up you know you got two big promotions and just to make it to one of the big two and sign a contract was a dream yeah. You know, so to sign with one of those companies and then six months later it's out of business, it's like, what the hell? You gotta be kidding me. What so yeah, that wasn't wasn't great luck at the time. <laughs> no, I've I've had a few other guys like Air Paris and uh Alan Funk on the show. And you know, Alan especially was starting to get on pay-per-view as his own character and was getting that push, and then like all that hard work, now you're back in WWE developmental. You know, yeah. that's some heartbreaking stuff. Um, and speaking of the end of WCW, I wanted to find out where you were when you found out that the company was now all over. And, um, you know, when you found out that it, with the WWF were either going to buy your contract or, or elect not to. Um, to the best of my recollection, you, you were saying the Kid Romeo match was February and they were they were done in April. So yeah. um, I'm guessing that, they probably because I know they stopped bringing us in uh, towards the end, you know, before it was even over. So, uh, you know, probably a, a cost cutting thing. You know, they're not going to start paying a lot of guys for doing security or and and like you said, the Saturday night shows and, and things like that were done. Um, so uh, I, I probably got that dark match because it was in Nashville. Um, you know, they didn't have, you know, have to worry about, you know, travel expenses and things like that. But um, I'm, I'm guessing that we weren't being brought in after that. So those last couple months, uh, you know, I, I wasn't with the company. Uh, I was still under contract, but I wasn't with the company. And and I, I'm assuming I, f- I found out just like everybody else, man, you know, tuning in on that Monday night and seeing the simulcast, you know, and realizing what had happened. And, you know, I, I think I kind of saw the writing on the wall. And of course, you know, as we know, you know, a lot of the top, top stars, you know, had, had you know, time left on their contract so they were just going to sit it out um and guys on my level pretty much didn't have a, a chance yeah. i think guys like elix and, and alan could probably tell you too you know a lot of those guys from the power plant um they were sent to developmental for wwf and, and or wwe and uh and you know i guess they were going to kind of you know pick and choose from there but uh you know wwe had so much to pick from you know they had a whole company to shuffle through so they took a lot of the guys they th- they thought they could make stars out of Booker being one of them. I think Hugh Morris came came on uh, right after that too. Uh, so they were taking some of the mid card. I'm not necessarily mid card. Booker Booker was champion, but uh, um, yeah, I think they kind of yeah. you know took a handful of those guys to try to make stars out of them while all the other guys sat sat at home collecting a paycheck. And and guys on my level d- didn't really have a chance, man. You know, it was, it was it was you know starting from ground up again, man, and try to work your way up. Yeah, it's just a, such a crazy time in, in the wrestling business. You had you also had ECW that which was there. You know they they were you know doing 
seemingly well and then within the space of a few months both them and wcw are gone so there's probably this also this influx of ecw and wcw guys hitting the indie scene um and i noticed on the 14th of may 2001 um so this is this is only like you know two months after the end of wcw you get to work with uh, X Factor, which is X Pac, Just Incredible, and Albert teaming with Doug Basham and Doug Basham and Rob Williams on an episode of WWF Jacked. Um, I'm guessing this was maybe an enhancement thing. Maybe they were in the area, or you were in the area, or was this a dark match? Was this an opportunity? How did you look at this? Um, if I remember right, I think they were in Cincinnati. So. Okay. Uh, and however the connection was made, I'm not, I can't even remember, but, um, but yeah, you know, since it was just a couple months after, um, even though it was an enhancement match, I looked at it like, you know, Hey, maybe if they knew I was with WCW, maybe they could possibly take a look. Um, I, I don't know if they, if that, if that was their idea at the time or not, I, I don't, I don't really remember. I mean, a six man, it's hard to really, you know, have somebody stand out, but, uh, yeah, um, we got to work with them. I, that was just a one night off, um, but uh, it was an opportunity. I got to go back in and uh, work with those guys, and it, it was in Cincinnati. Uh, but nothing, nothing ever came of it. Uh, never heard anything. So um, again, like you, you had said, it was just a couple months after. So they were still shuffling through, a, you know, two companies that you know yeah. had shut down and and kind of you know picking and choosing. So. Um, like I said, man, just uh, just a matter of you know hitting the road again and and hoping something comes out of it. <laughs> yeah, of course. Uh, and you work with the NWF and USA Wrestling a lot during this period of time. Uh, and I thought it was interesting to note that you were on the main event championship wrestling inaugural show against Kurt Hennig for their championship, which. I know that company didn't last very long. On August eleventh, two thousand one. I know that this. At the time, look, this is a long time ago now, but I remember reading on the internet that this company had, had talked about we we're, we're going to be the next big thing, you know, which many companies have come out saying that they were going to be the next big thing. Right. But uh, do you remember this at all? This is another opportunity where you get to work with Mr. Kurt Hennig. Oh, I remember it, man. Um, like you just said, uh, there was a lot of companies that uh, wanted to be the next one. Um, you know, we, we, we've heard... Um, you know, even still to this day, a lot of companies, you know, want to start up and, and um, you know, make a big impact. And uh, this was one of them. So um, I was one of the guys brought in. I, I can't remember how the connection was. Um, but, uh, yeah, we were, uh, me and a, a few guys, one being Abyss, uh, he was with me as well. Uh, he was from the Cincinnati area, so we had come up together. Um, but, yeah, we got hooked into the – uh, main event championship wrestling. It was out of Evansville, Indiana, uh, run by John Collins. And we were hoping this was going to be the next thing, man. You know, this guy talked big, um, talked about running shows, talked about, uh, you know, big paydays. And um, he had brought Kurt Henning in. He brought Barry Windham in. Um, so we did, uh, we did some events in Evansville. I think that might've been a weekly thing. Uh, but then, yeah, they were, um, they were talking about doing this big, big event. Uh, in the ECW arena, you know, there was going to be a lot of ECW stars on that, but also featuring some of uh, the main event stars. Um, again, Abyss was on that card and I got to work with Kurt and uh, that, that was the start of our friendship. You know, get, I got to work with him again and I'm sure I reminded him about our WCW match, but um, 
that was again great experience great to work with him that crowd you know i i i've worked there a few times in that building but uh yeah that that crowd's a different kind of crowd man they um Boy, they, you know, I think, I think the idea was to build me as a new star and, and uh, Kurt was going to be that, you know, big heel that he's always been, but it was, they, they were not about that, man. They shit all over me and <laughs> that place erupted for Kurt. So it was, uh, and it's just, it's one of those matches where you just kind of, you know, you, you shuffle it around while you're in there, man. And Kurt was a pro at that. Um, and then I'm telling you, man, when he, before he even put the perfect plex on me, just hooking it just hooking me for the perfect plex that place went nuts so it was uh it was a great feeling you know even when you're on, you're on the losing end man when you when you know you're 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 making something happen um it was still pretty cool so um it was a great experience uh yeah that that company um yeah it was all talk i mean it didn't last long and and i remember there was times uh abyss myself and a couple other guys i mean we had to search john collins out at his house we i mean we we'd show up at his house just to make sure we got paid and, you know, we, we'd make him go to the bank. And I mean, it was, it was awful. Wow. So um, yeah, it was, it was a, it was a bad idea. Um, you know, it was great at the time, I guess, because um, in between the WCW and, um, and, you know, when TNA started, you know, I was, I was doing whatever I could to, to make some money. You know, I, I, I had the feeling of uh, being a full-time wrestler from WCW and, um, you know, when you, when you get that feeling, man, and a lot of these, uh, these guys can tell you that, uh, you know, the last thing you want to do is go back to the, the regular job, you know, go back to, you know, regular shift and all that kind of stuff. So, so I was, I was, you know, doing everything I could and I was married at the time. Uh, you know, m- my wife was very supportive, but, you know, of course she's being the voice of reason being like, you know, Hey, if, you know, if we're not going to make money with wrestling, we got to do something else. So, you know, I'm trying to please her all the while, you know, trying to, you know, climb, for my, for my dream again. So, um, those few, uh, paychecks that I would get from, uh, the main event championship wrestling, even though it didn't last long, you know, they, I, I still got them. It, it carried me through a little bit and, uh, got me through that year until, uh, 2002 when things changed. Things certainly did change, Chris. Uh, there's a, a the formation of America's Most Wanted, um, and I know uh, I, I believe Bob Ryder was uh, somebody who was uh, totally uh, in your corner, trying to get you guys uh, a shot uh, with this new upstart NWA TNA. Um, when you first heard about NWA TNA and first had the opportunity, what, you know, what were your thoughts on the whole thing? Were you hopeful that this would last a bit longer than MECW? And uh, yeah, just tell me about that whole um, time period of just trying to get an opportunity there. Yeah, man. So um, yeah, but I'm just, you know, we're struggling through me and a lot of guys uh, struggling through. I, I, uh, I, uh, I guess I was doing as many Indies as I could uh, just to make some money. And uh Burt Prentice from Nashville, you know, I was, I was still working with him. He had me on some promotional tours too, to help his promotion. Um, I was doing a lot of uh, live events. When I say live events, I don't mean wrestling. I was just going around, just talking about the, you know, talking to schools um, with the kids, you know, for events, just trying to promote. And uh, he was trying to, you know, float me some cash for, for doing things like that. So I was still big into the, the Nashville scene. Um, as was James Storm. He was uh, like the local hero there, the same way I was in Cincinnati. Um, so uh, me being brought down, I was a big baby face. He was a big baby face. Uh, we actually hit, um, 
had somewhat of a program, a feud on the Indies in Nashville. So, so we were very familiar with each other. We were friends. Um, we fought, you know, many times had, had a great little run there. And, uh, yeah, we hear this thing about the promotion coming up. And it's funny when people ask me about that, because, you know, I always have to bring up some of the other promotions that, that start and fail. And so you hear about another one and you, know, you just don't want to get your hopes up. You're like, okay, here we go. Let's see, let's see what happens. And <laughs> you still want to be a part of it, but you, you know, you just don't want to be let down like that again. So there, you know, there's talk about this promotion starting. Now, one thing that was, um, had somewhat of a positive was uh, that Jeff was in charge of it. And of course, you know, he had history with his dad and, you know, running, running their territory. Um, so I've kind of felt like, you know, it had some good legs to stand on, you know, Jeff, Jeff and Jerry, you know, certainly knew um, how to run a promotion, you know, whether or not it, this, uh, this whole new um, uh, weekly pay-per-view concept was going to work, you know, that was a little different. Um, but Hey man, we were, we were ready for, you know, uh, the opportunity, there was talk of it. We were interested. Um, and it all came down to, it was June 1st of 2002, which is funny. Cause you know, just later that month is when uh, TNA started, but uh, June 1st was a date in Nashville. Um, it was one of Burt Prentice's shows and, uh, and the TNA staff, if you want to call it um, as they were building a staff, um, everybody was kind of there just to work out the kinks and uh, they were doing some test runs for people. I know a lot of the uh, agents, producers were there. Um, uh, I, I, I guess kind of getting a feel for it. I know they were trying out the broadcast team. I remember Don West um, who wound up with TNA for years and they were giving him a tryout uh, for the matches. Um, but yeah, Storm and I were on that card and Burp uh, had this idea. He said, you know, he wanted to put two of his best guys in there and uh, let them show what they could do. So he actually put us against each other, which was interesting because, like I said, we were two of the top baby faces. So uh, we were against each other, you know. And uh, but he had a great idea. It turned out great because uh, Storm and I, you know, we wanted to put everything we could into that. You know, we we were familiar with each other. We had chemistry, and we went out. and And to this day, it's still one of my favorite matches. It was a awesome match, and those guys were watching. And uh, him and I were very proud of it. We came back. And um, again, they were, I'm, I'm sure it was, they were shuffling around so much trying to get this company started. But uh, all I remember was looking at Jeff and, and again, I, I'd known him from WCW, but I looked at Jeff just for, you know, approval and he gave me a wink and he said, we'll be in touch. And that week, that week, uh, Bob Ryder contacted Storm and I. So uh, we were in, man. And, uh, you know, we, we, we gave him a good performance. They were happy and, um, and they were interested. So we were we were we were ecstatic that's great bro yeah and uh the the 19th of june 2002 it's the second weekly pay-per-view you take on the rainbow express which is obviously uh alan funk who was known as bruce and lenny lane um how did you guys feel uh your first outing together on tna's weekly pay-per-view uh we were just happy to be there man it was a big production we were in huntsville alabama um and it, it was it was kind of interesting because you know just showing up we were excited, but I saw a lot of uh, like the production crew and things like that. They were um, a lot of guys from WCW, so there was um, uh, I think that the connections Jeff had had with WCW, you know, and, and a lot of, you got to remember a lot of those guys got you know they they lost their jobs too, you know, yeah. production and you know I mean just um, you know a lot of the TV guys. I mean they 
they were all out of a job too because WWF they had they had their own staff. They didn't need them. So uh, you know, they brought these guys in. They knew what they were doing. I remember Keith Mitchell was there. He was the famous director from WCW and and went on with TNA. Um, I love Keith. He's awesome. Um, but they were kind of put. They were in a, a stage where they were putting every everybody in place. Um, they brought in some some top names because you have to have the names to get the attention. But uh, TNA was very big on building new stars, I, I, and I give them credit for that. They were they were looking to do that. Now this goes back to when they they were interested in Storm and I. Um, I think they knew they wanted us to be part of the company. They knew they wanted to do something. They just didn't know what. You know, they did. They had so many moving pieces. Um, so um, I think they just had this idea, you know, I guess because we had had the match together, they just looked at it like, you know, Hey, we don't, they don't know what the hell to do. Throw these guys together and let's see what happens. And so they, they kind of worked a little um, angle in the back. It was just a little two minute skit uh, where they threw us together and went out and wrestled the rainbow express. And, um, and they put us over. And you know, again, it, it was um, in that, that area where, you know, people kind of knew who storm and I was, and um, yeah, it, it was it was on fire, man. We we loved it, and we weren't sure where we were going to go with it. You know that that was just a you know a nightly thing at the time. I think uh, um, you mentioned um, um, who were the what was the tag team that you mentioned had a dark match in WCW? Uh, the Shane Twins. Shane Twins. Yeah, I think I think one of our next matches with was with the Shane Twins. When they and, dressed um, as two like penises. <laughs> Yeah, 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 that was them. <laughs> uh, never oh, understood that, but, uh, you know, hey, you know, we, we, we wrestled a couple dicks. So, um, <laughs> you know, um, but yeah, again, they, I, don't, I don't think they knew what to do. They were just going to see what worked, you know, throw Storm and Harris together and let's see what works. And, and Storm and I looked at it, um, you know, I think a lot of guys, you know, may have gotten frustrated. You know, of course, Storm and I were, um, you know, singles guys, you know, all through, um, you know, our indie uh, indie careers. Uh, so we were thinking, you know, Hey, we're going to be big stars here in TNA, you know, be big single stars. And, um, that's just not how the business works, man. You know, what, what they give you, you got to run with and storm and I looked at it and we tried to have a great attitude about it. We said, man, if they're going to put us in a tag team, we are going to go out and we're going to be the best tag team we can be. And we just kind of adapted things that, that we had learned, even though our experience was in singles, uh, we went back to what we grew up on, man. You know, we um, we were fans of the Rock and Roll Express, the Midnight Express, uh, the Horsemen, Heart Foundation, Bulldogs. You know, all those top teams from the you know late '80s, early '90s. You know, we we um, we just kind of you know ap applied what we had learned in tag team wrestling and, and went out for it, man. And uh, and uh, you know, we we wanted to get their attention, and and we did. You know, we went out. We wanted to be the best tag team we could be, and. Um, and we, we got some eyes rolling. Yeah, man. Like, honestly, when I first saw you guys, it was like, um, wow. Like, look at these two guys go. It's, uh, it's almost like it's a throwback to the old school tag teams, but you've got a bit of new school in there as well. Uh, and you know, it just seemed like immediately it had seemed like, um, America's most wanted been together for years. Uh, and in just under three months after that first tag match with the Rainbow Express, uh, yourself and James Storm become the NWA World Tag Team Champions. You win a tag team gauntlet for the Gold Battle Royal, and then you both vanquish Brian Lee and Ron Harris to become the champions. Now, okay, here we go. Now you must be feeling pretty good. You've just won the NWA World Tag Team titles. 
Yeah, man, I, that was, again, you know, some of the names I just brought up to you, you know, th those are the guys that ha had those belts, um, you know, so for us to be able to, you know, it, it didn't matter where we went from here, you know, we were in the record books then. And, um, yeah, I mean, you brought up, you know, getting the attention and of, uh, you know, when, when as we were week by week, we were uh, getting our matches in and uh, a lot of people were, and you, you, you made a mention that, uh, you know, we kind of combined the old school into and adapted it into the, that day and age of wrestling. What a lot of people don't remember, I think one of the reasons we um, we stood out so much was, uh, you know, this was 2002. If you look back at some of the, and, and you got to go back to, you know, the only promotion around was WWE. Um, all they were doing at the time, there wasn't a whole lot of um, established tag teams then. Um, they were really big on taking two singles guys, throwing them together. They'd yeah. win the tag team titles the next week. Then they'd split up two months later. They'd be feuding. You know, it was just every tag team you saw was two singles guys thrown together. So tag the, the art of tag team wrestling was kind of lost at the time. So I think when we got put together and we kind of reverted back to the old school and applied it to the 2002 era, I think people were like, you know, they kind of found their love of tag teams again, you know, because tag team wrestling can be – I mean, it's so much fun to watch, man. I mean, you, yeah. you got, you got, instead of two guys in there, you got double, you got, you got four guys in there that can make magic. And, um, we were out there, you know, doing just that and, and, uh, you know, bringing a little bit of the old school back, but also adding the excitement of the 2002 era. And, um, and I think that's what really, uh, people found the love of tag teams again. And TNA was big on building the tag teams as well as the, that, you know, at the time, the X division we were doing, um, so, yeah, man, uh, I, I think, you know, those few, first few months, they kind of saw what they had and they were going to take a chance on us. And uh, we did that uh, gauntlet for the gold. And uh, I think our, our the match we actually won was with Brian Lee and Ron Harris. And, um, yeah, for our first tag team titles, you know, it was um, – I mean, you, we could never predict where we were going to go from there. But like I said, man, we had, we had, that was a mark where we had established America's Most Wanted. Absolutely. And, you know, now that you mention it, it, it always drove me insane how um, the WWE's tag team division was really good in the late 90s, very, very early 2000s. But it got to a point where it just seemed like they forgot how it worked and they just they just started throwing people together and it didn't mean anything anymore. But then on the other side of the coin, you've got NWA, TNA, you've got America's most wanted disciples of the new church, triple X, the hot shot swinger and diamond three life crew, the naturals, like they, they yeah. really gave a shit as, as plainly as I could say, they really gave a shit about making a yeah. division and having there be this group of teams and, and, it, it could be endless because there's, there are so many great teams that like it will never get boring because WWE, you know, they might only have two established teams and a bunch of thrown together teams. So nothing means anything, but there's so many teams that TNA had during this time period. Um, and, you know, you and James end up with six tag team title wins throughout this run. Um, and I know this is a very broad, uh, a broad kind of uh, time period to ask about, but the whole run, this whole run with all these teams, what are your fondest memories? Um, and are you all very well aware that this tag division was whooping WWE tag divisions ass? 
Yeah, I mean, I'm never going to uh, be naive enough to say that, you know, hey, we, um, you know, our promotion was, you know, going to compete or surpass. W- I mean, WWF was was the promotion. So uh, we were just happy to be on board. And, uh, you know, we were making, uh, you know, funny word, but we were making an impact in the wrestling world. Um, I think they, they eventually saw that the pay-per-view concept wasn't going to stick. I think it definitely got everybody's attention. Um, those that, you know, wanted to tune in and, and pay their $9.99 a week, I think they were, they were into it. And um, we had a loyal fan base. Um, a lot of people look back on it now and think, you know, hey, we had a, just a minor percentage of the wrestling world. But, hey, you know, we're an upstart company, man. I mean, we'll take what we can get. And, you know, the, the wrestling world was talking. Everybody was – the eyes were on us because we were the only other thing out there. Um, but, no, some of my fondest memories, man. I mean, you're, you're right. That is a broad, uh, broad <laughs> question. But uh, we had some great matches. I mean, uh, thank you for naming off all those teams, man. We had some – we had some great matches and a lot of great memories with those guys. I, I remember, you know, you brought up uh, Swinger and Simon Diamond and Johnny Swinger. Um, that's just one example. Um, even though they had a, a name with uh, ECW, they were kind of brought in. And uh, uh, Simon Diamond and I have talked about this many times, but they were brought in just as, a, you know, a, a, another notch for us. Um, they were a known team. So they were going to be brought in as a one-off, uh, put America's Most Wanted over, and uh, let's see where we can go. And we wound up having such an such a, a exciting match uh, that they they wound up getting jobs out of it, and they even wound up beating us for the tag team titles. So yeah. um, that just goes to show you, man. You know, we, you can go out there and uh, a one-off performance, and you know that can change everything for you. But um, I think the first thing that comes to mind with with those kind of matches. Uh, the naturals definitely come to mind because we, uh, we worked a lot of indie dates with those guys, you know, it wasn't just the, the TNA pay-per-views we were doing, but we were all still doing uh, our indie shots. Uh, that was a Wednesday pay-per-view, but uh, a lot of us were still working the rest of the week, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Um, and we were doing a lot of, a uh, lot of events with the naturals. So, so we had history with those guys. I'm glad they, we wound up getting some TV exposure with it because we loved working with, we had great chemistry. Um, and uh, we got to work with those guys a lot. I think we actually had the first cage match um, uh, with – I think that's right, the first cage match with the Naturals. Um, but that leads me right into to Triple X, and maybe that stands out more just because um, I think that feud stands out in a lot of people's minds, so I get asked a lot about that. But we had some incredible matches with Triple X, and the, and the bonus with those guys is, you know, you, you get you – get, you get, you get to pick two out of three guys, you know, so you can have a different combination every time we got in the ring. Um, but I think our fame, our most famous matches came with Elix and Christopher Daniels. Um, uh, our first uh, cage match with them. A lot of people kind of forget about it because uh, the six sides of steel is still on people's minds, but uh, we actually had that first match in back in Nashville uh, with them uh, where I wound up doing the death sentence off the top of the cage which was kind of a dumb idea, but <laughs> um, that was a, that was a one and done thing. You know, I've been asked to do it again. And I said, that's a one, once in a career move. That's, that's about it. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but yeah, some great memories um, with, with those guys, uh, diamond and swinger, the naturals, uh, the new church. Uh, I think that's really what got uh, a lot of people's attention. Our first feud was with the new church 
And even though we were having some great wrestling matches with a lot of different teams, when we got put in the program with those guys, because um, um, that was uh, that was Slash and Brian Lee, those guys like to fight. And uh, so when we go out there, you know, it's not just going to be a regular wrestling match. And the fact that we could stand up to those guys in a fight and and get, give them a piece of what they were giving out, uh, I think that got a lot of people's attention to, to where they looked at America's Most Wanted. Like, you know, hey, these guys, no matter no matter what style they're put in there with, they can hang with these guys. So so great memories from those early days, man, and a, a lot of great teams that you brought up. Yeah, man, I thought it was important to bring up all those teams because, you know, uh, this really was a, a golden age in TNA's tag team history, that's for sure. Um, and I did want to bring up, I, I don't think I wrote it down in my notes for some reason, I forgot to, but I did see that you you actually got to wrestle the Rock and Roll Express. That must have just yeah. tickled you pink. Uh, tell me about working with uh, Ricky and Robert. Yeah, well, uh, I, I had a, I can't remember what years it was, but I had been on a couple shows with him. So I had met him, you know, Ricky and Robert, and, you know, even back in 02, we're thinking, you know, guys, these guys are still around. Hell, 20 years later, they're still around. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it was cool, man, to see them guys still working. And uh, I had already, I'd met them on a, a few shows, really cool guys. And uh, yeah, man, those, those were some of the guys that Storm and I um, watched growing up. And so for them to be brought in and we got to work a couple matches with those guys. And it was, it was incredible, man. Um, to be able to, you know, work some old school guys like that and um, fun, man, it was fun. And, and I think we traded off some wins, uh, but uh, yeah, they were brought in for a little bit and we, we had some, some real good fun with them. And I, I have to give it to Ricky Morton too. Cause um, I think uh, our, our, I don't know if it was our second match or uh, what with them, but um, it was, uh, right after Kurt Henning's passing, um, we had our match with them, uh, probably a day or two. I, I can't remember exactly, but just a day or two after, uh, so everybody was kind of mourning Kurt's passing Well, that was our match with the rock and roll express that night. And I brought it up to Ricky. Like I said, you know, he, he was, I knew he was a cool guy, but, um, I brought up using uh, the perfect plex as a finish and Ricky was such a, um, such a pro about it, man. Such a trooper. You know, he was he was down for it, and so the finish of that match was the perfect plex on Ricky Morton. So, uh, I, I that was one of my fondest memories, man. You know, so uh, I, I really appreciate uh, Ricky and the the Rock and Roll Express doing that. And um, but you know, complete pleasure to get to work with them. I'm 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 happy to be able to say, and, and I have to throw this other in there. Anytime I talk about getting to work with the old school guys. Uh, it's not just the Rock and Roll Express, but Storm and I actually had a match with Terry and Dory Funk. Um, <laughs> really? <laughs> talk about old school, man. You know, it, but uh, yeah, we got to step in there with a lot of lot of different lot of different uh, teams. Very experienced, and uh, always a pleasure. Awesome, bro. I'm glad that I brought that up now because I, I found out about that. That's um, it's really it's a good thing that you guys did there, um, for Kurt. Um. So uh, they do tease a split with you and James at one point where it looks like you might join Sports Entertainment Extreme. Um, and obviously that doesn't take place. Um, I, again, I might be wrong, but I believe James deals with an injury and there's a chance during this injury where you have a little bit of a singles run. And this is my recollection. And please tell me if I'm right, but or wrong, but it, it feels like you really caught fire for a few months there, working with Jarrett um, 
on the 17th of March, uh, 2004 for the world championship only to suffer a defeat. You beat Raven for the number one contendership on the 14th of April. And then on the 12th of May, you unsuccessfully challenged AJ for the belt. And on the 100th NWA TNA pay-per-view, you were in a King of the Mountain match for the title as well. I want to know how you felt about that time period looking back. Did you feel like you, you had lightning in a bottle and, and the, like people, the people were behind Chris Harris and that maybe it was potentially a good idea for you to win the championship during that time period? Because from my memory, it, I felt like, man, I think Chris Harris is going to win it here tonight. Um, but that's my memory as a fan. Please tell me, is, that, is my recollection kind of the same from your point of view? Um, the short answer would be yes. Uh, I, I, I definitely felt like that. And I, I, that makes me feel good that, you know, somebody like yourself would, would feel like that. Uh, I'm going to go back to, um, the little tease that we did. Um, cause I think a lot of people might find this interesting, but, uh, first I'm going to say that, you know, cause a lot of people know Russo was uh, doing a lot of the Vince Russo was doing a lot of the booking back then, a lot of the writing for the, for the TV. Um, I love Vince. I'm a, I'm a Russo guy. Um, of course you're never going to completely agree with everything, but, um, but I think, you know, Russo gets a bad rap. He had a lot of great ideas, a lot of bad ideas, but one of Russo's big things, man, he likes to shotgun a lot of stuff. And when he sees something working like that, you know, America's most wanted, you know, from 02 to 03, you know, we were, we were hot. And, um, so Russo's, uh, frame of mind was, you know, this is hot, let's split them up and, you know, and uh, to have them feud with each other, you know, that's just uh, that's the old old school wrestling, I guess, you know. And um, and even though we were still young guys in the company, um, we felt like we had to uh, at least speak up. Um, you know, we we were one of the we were the guys that you know we wanted to do what we were told and be team team players. But man, we had something so hot. Um, we, re- we, we spoke up and we said, man, we really think that there's life in America's most wanted. We, you know, we got a lot more we can do. Um, so they did tease that split. And, you know, thank God it wound up, you know, didn't turn out to be anything. They wanted putting us right back together, which storyline a lot of people may have been confused with because they, they saw what was coming and they, they completely, uh, you know, did a 180 and, and, and came back. But, um, but we were very thankful they did and kept us together. Uh, but time-wise, yeah, that kind of led into um, uh, Storm's injury. He, he was out with a shoulder injury. I think that might have been um, – I think you said March. So was it March of 04 then? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so all that – all this, the teasing of the split was 03, and then um, at some point Storm went out with a sol- uh, shoulder injury, and uh, – yeah, I mean, I, I'm glad they didn't do a split then because, you know, anytime one guy go, goes to a singles, um, you know, that you can you can bring up some jealousy in the team and, uh, you know, it just kind of, you know, it, it leads to the whole split. And uh, But with him being out, yeah, it gave me a chance to, to step in there and I guess they looked at it as another contender for Jeff. Um, you know, he was, he was uh, wearing the gold at that time and uh, going through a lot of contenders. Um, but yeah, they put me in the mix, man. And uh, yeah, I, I, I felt like that was my opportunity to, you know, for a lot of the, the attention that TNA had gotten, uh, a lot of the attention America's most wanted had gotten. And then, and, and, you know, people now knew who Chris Harris was, or a lot of people did. Um, that was my opportunity to show them what I could do in singles. And so, um, yeah, the way they were telling the story, man, 
um, it, it was it was going great, you know, for me, uh, you know, being in the tag team and they were building me up as a contender. Um, I was in the mix with I think that King of the Mountain match had uh, Ron Killings, Raven, AJ, uh, myself and. Um, uh, Jeff, I guess I get yeah, yeah, Jeff. Jeff was in it. Uh, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the way the story has been told and I've had Vince tell me this himself. Um, the way the story was being told and me, you know, working my way up and, uh, you know, Jeff was doing promos saying I wasn't ready. You know, I wasn't ready to be the top guy. And uh, I'm saying, yeah, it's my time and it, 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 you know, I'm ready. And the the people were really getting behind it, man. And, uh, and Vince has told me that the, the way the story was going, he said, this has to end with, you know, putting the belt on you. He said, that's just the way the story makes, makes sense. And, um, and I've heard this in years later, you know, Vince has said that himself, but I've heard this in years later, I think maybe on his podcast or, or something like that. But I guess uh, at some point when they left the building um, the week prior to March 17th with Jeff, uh, the week prior when they left the building, uh, the plan was to, you know, do the big title switch. Wow. And, um, and see where that went. And uh, you mentioned lightning in a bottle, man. I was, I was so excited. Um, and somewhere in that week, whether it was conversations over the phone or maybe when they came back to the building the next, uh, the next week, uh, plans change. And, um, you know, that's just the wrestling business, man. You know, I can be, uh, I can get down and get frustrated, but you know, Hey, that's the wrestling business. You know, I, I went out there and I still wanted to put on the best match I could with Jeff. Um, and you know, Jeff's a pro man, you know, he had so much going on. Uh, so he trusted me to put a lot of that together. And, uh, of course, I got his input, and I think we had a great match. Um, that just kind of led uh, led the story even even further where, uh, you know, Raven was getting involved and AJ was getting involved and uh, had a great match with AJ. And um, I think they were leading to uh, – I think they were leading to a cage match with uh, Jeff and myself – and the way the story went, uh, I'm not sure what if, uh, this is in your research or not, but um, they decided they wanted to pull me out and put AJ in, and they wanted to put a strap on AJ. So uh, um, you know where that all you know uh, got got confusing. I'm not sure. You know I wasn't really privy to that information. I was just kind of doing you know what they wanted. Um, but yeah, I was just happy to be in a mix, man. Yeah, I, I think people were seeing that. Um, I think people were seeing that uh, that uh, I could hang with those guys. You know, those were top top stars. Uh, you know, Raven, Ron Killings had had made a name for himself. Uh, Jeff, of course, and then you know they were making a star out of AJ. They they obviously saw saw you know some really great things for him. So for me to be put in that mix, um, yeah, man, I, I felt like I fit. I felt like I hung with those guys, and uh, you know, I I think it was a really exciting time, man, for the you know, for uh, the promotion at that time. Absolutely, bro. I, I, I really felt like this was such a peak at the time um, for NWA TNA. Uh, I'm sure at this point, maybe it's starting to just become TNA. But uh, I, I wanted to ask you from your perspective, um, during, you know, the period of time, I guess they start to go to Universal Studios and they're maybe working away from doing the weekly pay-per-views. Um, <clears throat> from your perspective, do you feel TNA had made any mistakes business wise um, at this point in time, was there something, you know, anything at all that you felt like could have been improved on within the company at the time?
Oh man, that's that's hard to say just because I wasn't on the the you know the the business side of it. I was I was just a talent doing what I could to you know as talent. You know, you're put on camera and you got to, you know, you got to, I mean, it's, it's all about, uh, I don't know those ratings at the time, but it's all about ratings, all about eyes getting put on you. So we got to do something that makes people want to tune in week to week. Um, so that was, that was how I looked at it. You know, and I wanted to go out there and put, put on the best performance, whether it was Storm and I being the best tag team or in the, you know, this little singles run. Um, I know there was a lot of uh, financial issues towards the beginning. Um I don't know all of the details with things like that, but I know that's, you know, that's when Panda Energy came in and Dixie Carter. And, uh, you know, that was, that was a big deal for the company. I think that kind of saved us uh, at the time, but yeah, they, they struck that deal with, um, at first we went to Fox sports. Um, Yeah. (laughs) And yeah. And it was, I mean, that was a big deal to us, man. I mean, I remember, I remember, uh, you know, they having the the company meeting and they were talking how we were going to start filming down in, uh, Universal Studios in Orlando. So, I mean, that was a big step for the company. And um, that's one of the things that, were, that was so exciting about being part of the company, uh, being such a big part of the company was the, the steps that we were taking. Um, we saw, you know, things were things were really growing with it. And, you know, it wasn't just um, like we talked about some of the other promotions that were starting up and failing, starting up and failing. Uh, TNA was on its way, man. You know, we were doing some great things and it, it struggled in the beginning. Um, I can't tell you how many people were telling us that, you know, this company be closed by next week, you know, it'll be closed (laughs) next month. I mean, we heard it all the time. And, you know, in in some sense, you know, you start to believe it, you know, it kind of gets in your head, but since we were the core of the company, you know, all this uh, young, hungry talent, man, we were, we were still going to go out there and do what we had to do and um, you know, at least put on the best product that we could. So this whole Fox sports thing was great. Um, storyline wise, kind of going back to what you were saying, uh, yeah, they had put the, the belt on AJ storm and I were together cause he, cause of his injury, yeah. um, being put on Fox sports, um, the company and I, I guess, you know, Jeff Vince, you know, whoever, um, they wanted all their key players to be in the best position they could be in. So, um, I think within, within days or weeks, um, they want to put the title back on Jeff to have a, a, a big course. name with the world title. They put AJ back in the X division, um, <laughs> put the X division title on him and storm and I were back together. And the ver- very first, um, taping we did in Orlando, um, for Fox sports, they put the tag titles back on us. So again, they wanted all their key players back in the best positions right. they could be, you know, AJ in the X division, Jeff with the, you know, the world title, us, uh, America's most wanted with the tag team titles. So, I mean, in a sense, that kind of makes, that, that makes sense, you know, to, to yeah. you know, if, if you're, if you're go- going out to a whole new um, wider audience, um, you know, you want, you want them to get the attention, you know, everybody to be in their, their best position. So, um, but it was, yeah, it was a very, very big deal for the company. And, uh, you know, we were just so excited to be a part of it. And that was, a you know, we were going to Orlando every week, man. So we were we, now we were into the traveling, and um, I think at first we were still doing the pay per view and the TV, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. So we were, you know, we were still doing both at the time, and it was a, it was yeah. a, it was a big time. It was a great time in the company. 
Yeah, and no, I do remember that overlapping just for a little bit before uh, it went to just being on Fox. Um, and then obviously yeah. it started to lead to doing the um, actual pay-per-views uh, once a, a month or so. Um, but yeah, no, that was a really interesting insight. And I had no idea until you mentioned it about how they put their key players back in the spots that they wanted when they finally got that Fox deal. So it makes so yeah. much sense. And I remember thinking to myself, oh, it's surprising AJ's back in the X division. Um, <laughs> That's why. <laughs> um, so I wanted to fast forward to the 19th of June, 2006. I believe this is the first meeting, but this was something as a fan that I'd always wanted to see. And I finally got to see it. Never thought it would happen. But Team 3D have come into the company and Team 3D are going to be working with America's Most Wanted. This is like, this is one of those dream matches because at the time, you know, the Dudleys had still been together in WWE, despite the fact that most of the teams that they were feuding with were either just there for a few months and then gone again, or they were thrown together tag team. Um, but now we get to see a you know, legitimate team that's been together since day dot against another team that's been together now for at this point, nearly, you know, four years. Um, what's it like working with team 3d? Cause I feel like for the 2000s tag team wrestling, this is, this is the dream match between a, a, a TNA team and a former WWE ECW team. Yeah. I think a lot of people were looking at it like that, man. I mean, uh, you know, we had, uh, we have been the homegrown stars, um, like you said, we had about four years under our belt. Um, and I'm not sure how many tag title runs we had had at that time, but, but yeah, we were very well established, big baby face team. You know, we had a good following everywhere we went. Um, but that, uh, the, they always say timing's everything in wrestling, but, uh, that was when, um, there may have been talk about, I don't want to just throw this out there. I don't know if there was talk of a split, but, uh, there was, um, one of the ideas was to, um, switch us, turn us heel and let's see what kind of run we can get out of that. So, um, we, uh, we went in that direction and, uh, they turned us heel. Um, it was, it, it turned out to be awesome. I, I think, uh, it, it kind of gave new life into America's most wanted. And even though with the history, uh, with Jeff, um, it just made sense, you know, they put us with Jeff, you know, who was the top heel. So, you know, the, you, you know, we could, we could kind of share some heat from me, all the heat he had gotten for, for us to be aligned with him. I mean, people really, they hated it. Um, <laughs> and then you add a, 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 a great addition, you know, the cherry on top was uh, Gail Kim putting Gail Kim with us. I mean, it, uh, this foursome was just, it was awesome. So uh, timing was great, man. 3d was coming in um, and, and they immediately wanted to put him with, with us. They, there was the, they didn't need any buildup. It was, I mean, it was the Dudleys. Um, so for them to come in, man, I mean, we were, we were really looking forward to it. And, you know, we, we, we carried a little bit of pride with ourselves. I mean, you know, we, we may not have been on their level at the time, but Hey man, we, you know, we had, uh, you know, been the top tag team in TNA for four years. So um, in a sense, you know, both storyline and maybe a little realism in there, but we're protecting our spot. Um so, uh, you know, these guys coming in. Well, I've lost him there. Don't know if you're there, Chris. Uh, everything's frozen. Our team exposure, but hey, man. 
Are we still there? Yeah, sorry for for whatever reason for about 10 seconds there. Um I couldn't hear anything and uh everything was frozen, but um <laughs> so you were you were just saying you were kind of protecting your spot. Um yeah, I mean, but both both storyline and realism, you know, we were we were protecting our spot. You know, we um we had established ourselves for the past four years and uh, you know, uh getting exposure on TV. Um, you know, these guys coming in, it was just like you said, it was kind of a, a match that people were waiting to see, man. Um, we had some great matches with these guys, um, not just on TV, but we took it on the road. Um, you know, hey, these guys were the tables guys. We had tables matches with them. Um, it was a lot of fun. And, and they really uh, I have to give them credit, man. From the from the first day they came in, um, you know, of course, we were the heels. So we were getting heat on them. You know, we would leave them laying. And uh, I mean, they were we, we left them in pools of blood. You know, they were doing everything they could to. Uh, to really, you know, take 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 America's Most Wanted a little bit, you know, uh, the next step. Um, I can remember getting heat on them, and you know, of course, you you, you tread lightly, you know, when, when it's guys like these. But I remember there was one time. Um, I think I think we were just about good on time. So Storm and I were leaving the ring, you know, leaving them in a pool of blood, and I heard uh, I heard uh, Bubba shout at me he's like get back in here you know stay on us and i'm thinking you know we're going over time here you know i'm not you know i'm i'm, I'm trying to follow the rules here but you know bubba's <laughs> telling me to stay on so we got back in and we got some more heat for another couple minutes and uh it was it was brought to our attention when we got back of course you know i mean you know, that's 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 their job they got on us for going over but uh bubba took the heat man he said he, he was just feeling it out there and he felt like that's what you know he he, he made a uh, a call in the middle of the ring and um you know and of course you know everything was okay but um that just goes to show you man i mean they, they were there um they were willing to, you know they were willing to take take a beating you know just to take us up a notch so uh i appreciate that and uh we had some great matches with them and like i said i really learned a lot from working with those guys even though i felt like we were a successful tag team hey man i'm, I'm still learning to this day i've been in the business for years and you know, you, you can always learn and uh, and just feeding off those guys, man. It was um, it was like, you know, just taking a whole nother lesson. So uh, it was it was great, man. Pleasure. Awesome, bro. I'm really cool of them to come in and not act like they're these big stars, but come in and actually make you guys look on the same level as them so that the feud's going to yeah. actually work and draw some money. Um, consummate professionals right there. I wanted to bring this to... Um, a feud that you have with the uh, LAX Latin American Exchange. Um, and this leads to the 11th of December, 2006, where AMW have to split up if they lose the match. Um, what did you think about um, the idea of splitting up at this point in time in late 2006 and now, now having a singles run? Um, I think we were more open to it then. Um, I feel like if we had a, gone on longer i think we would have still been successful um i think we just we had some i mean we we were um i don't know we were really strong man um and you know we had we had something going in and the thing is uh we talked about the heel run uh when we started in with uh lax that was a brief turn back to babyface so we could have had another babyface run and i think it would have been great i think the crowd would have just you know fed right into it but um yeah, that kind of led into, uh, um, I think it started with an eight-man tag where we were teaming up with LAX, and uh, and it, there was just some beef there. 
And then um, Conan started talking about uh, burning the American flag. And that's kind of when America's Most Wanted stepped up. And, you know, I think I even did a promo saying, you know, we ain't, we're not America's favorite, but, you know, we're not going to turn our back on America. And so that just, that, that was an easy transition right there into the feud with LAX. So um, for a brief moment, uh, people really got behind us uh, in that feud. And, um, but yeah, it didn't last long because uh, it wanted, it, it led into that match where um, uh, the loser, I, I can't remember if that was the flag match or not, but uh, the losing team um, had to, had to split up and um you know, that was an idea they brought up to us. And uh, like I said, we were definitely more open to it then. And uh, I think, you know, we had established ourselves very well uh, as a tag team and in the company, we had had a great run, uh, but maybe, you know, maybe it was time to, to, you know, let's, let's see what we can do with singles. And of course, you know, splitting us up, we're going to feud with each other. And we already knew we had great chemistry. So, um, so yeah, we were looking forward to it. We were looking forward to showing, uh, like we talked about before, I had a little brief stint with the singles run. So um, I had the confidence in myself, uh, but I think, you know, Storm is ready to get his, his, uh, his feet wet out there too. He was ready to jump right in and uh, show him what he could do. Um, so yeah, we were, we were looking forward to it. Absolutely. And as a tag team, you know, all these years at this point, you've, you've drawn money as the team, you know, you know, you guys have learned so much at this point. Imagine those two revenue streams, in in different directions that you know yeah. that's a, it makes sense right um so you do feud with james um after he <clears throat> turns on you after the split there's this business with you having the beer bottle smashed over your face which leads to a blindfold match which uh, i feel like it, it um i remember watching it thinking this wasn't the match that i wanted to see these two first have um <laughs> but um it, it also it led to an incredible texas death match uh, a little while uh, down the line um what did you think of the feud with james and how how that all went um much like you did and i think that's kind of how everybody looked at it um um they were ready for the feud uh, but yeah, with a beer bottle being smashed over, you know, your face, um, I was in an eye patch for months. Um, uh, I was out of action for months. I mean, the, the, the story was well told. Um, now any, any old school wrestling fan, you know, if you're trying to follow the story and against this was, uh, you know, Vince was involved, of course. Um, but if you're following the story, um, it kind of makes sense for a blindfold. So I get that part. Um, yeah. I get that, you know, the, that was kind of the direction we were headed. Um, we'll see what happens with that. Uh, but the truth is, and, uh, you, you, you brought it up, you know, uh, that's just not what people wanted to see, you know, with the, with the way that that story was being told, they wanted to see Harrison storm beat the shit out of each other. They wanted to see us go at it and, um, a blindfold match isn't going to give you that, um, so, yeah, I, I think we were in St. Louis for that pay-per-view, and um, that's just not what the people wanted to see, and they shit all over it. Um, I tried not to take it personal, um, you know, because I, I get it. I mean, that's, you know, that's just not what people want to see. You know, you put us, uh, you know, we're, we're you know, I'm, I'm pointing through the ring, you know, trying to get the people behind me. A um, few of them helped. Um, but uh, plus the, the, the blindfolds themselves weren't, properly done 
Uh, I think storms fell off a couple times. Um, mm-hmm. It was just an all around bad match. So, um, um, yeah, I'd be looking back on it. I wish we'd have gone a different direction, but I think we made up for it because, you know, once that was over and we got the stink of that match out of us, like I said, people wanted to see us kill each other. And uh, so what better way than to put us in a Texas death match. And um, I love that people still talk about that to this day. You know, you don't, there's not a whole lot of famous Texas death matches out there. Um, But we went out there and, um, you know, neither one of us are, I guess if you want to call it hardcore, you know, neither one of us are hardcore wrestlers, but I feel like when you go out there, um, if you can make sense out of that stuff and, and you can do great psychology with weapons and, and things like that, it, it, it it's going to really, the fans are going to follow it all the way through. I think they did. It was a great finish to the story with the beer bottle, but uh, I think we did with that match. I think we made up for it. I think a lot of people, you know, kind of, uh, they were willing to forgive the blindfold match and, uh, and, uh, you know, like I said, Storm and I always had great chemistry together, whether it was a straight wrestling match or going out there and, and knocking the shit out of each other with these weapons. So, uh, but yeah, that was, uh, it's crazy to say that was a lot of fun, but uh, when you feel it and you feel like, you know, you're, you're going in the right direction and the people are with you the entire time, man, I mean, it gives you such a grat- uh, the gratifying feeling that, you know, once it, it's over and, uh, yeah, man, that was that's one of my fondest memories, and I was happy to share that with Storm, and um, you know, just uh, happy to see what direction that took us from there. Because we we definitely got some attention with you know being singles wrestlers then, so I think the promotion f- felt confident and okay, we we got something good with these guys. Excellent, Brian. I remember watching the Texas Death Match, being like, "This is what we wanted the first time around. This is this is what we were looking for. We got it. We got it. This is this is yeah. what the guys wanted to show us as well." Um, and I didn't blame either of you for the blindfold match. That's a difficult match to to pull off, especially if the blindfold won't stay on one of the participants' heads. Uh, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, but these things happen, and. Um, but one thing I wanted to say was that after like this had ended, this great feud with you two, aside from the blindfold match, um, your singles run, uh, I expected to go one way, kind of like it did the first time around. Uh, I know you did a, had a feud with um, Dustin Rhodes, who was at the time under a character called Black Rain. And I know he was going through a lot of problems at the time. Um and apparently it, things didn't go well. That's just from my research. I don't really remember any of the matches. Um, uh, but what's your thoughts on this time period after the storm feuds over and working with Dustin? And did you kind of feel like things weren't going the way that you expected them to? Well, the immediate future after that was was very well um, because uh, right after Storm and I. Um, I went into another King of the Mountain match. Um, right. So I was put right up with the top contenders. Um, I think that was right when uh, uh, Jeff Jarrett's, his, his wife had just passed. So he kind of pulled out, um, you know, kind of took some time away from the ring. Um, they felt like that was a good spot to slide me right in. So I was in with in the mix. I was in there with AJ, Christian, Samoa Joe, Kurt Angle. I mean, you know, he couldn't ask to be in with better company. Absolutely. Uh, so to put me in there and um, – and I wasn't just a forgotten guy. I mean, I, I think I got some attention in that King of the Mountain match, and that kind of snowballed me uh, with Christian. We uh, we uh, set set the stage uh, for a little program with Christian in that match. Um, I stopped him at the at the end of it. I don't know if you remember seeing that, but uh, 
that kind of led me into with Christian and I, you know, what a pleasure it would be to work with him. And, and I think Christian, uh, we actually became really good friends, um, during all this, but, uh, you know, he, I, I think he knew his part, you know, he was there to create a new star and, uh, you know, he was, I mean, he's got a history with that. I mean, he, he's, he's, that's one of the things he's just best at. And, um, we, uh, we didn't have a long program uh, because I think that went right into Black Rain. Um, uh, we we had I know we had a pay per view match and that's when Dustin interfered and uh, cost me in the match. So that was kind of it with Christian and uh, kind of snowballed into Dustin. Now I do have to say and I'm glad you brought it up. Um, working with Dustin, I mean, you, it was a pleasure. I mean, uh, the, the guy's been around. He knows his stuff. I mean, hell, he's probably doing some of his best work now. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was it was it was great to be in the um, in the ring with him, and we had a, a history with uh, Dustin. You know, there was a lot of uh, even going back to the Nashville days, um, Dusty and Dustin. Um, we had had a lot of six man tags with those guys, so those guys were like um, an addition to America's Most Wanted, like a third third and fourth member of America's Most Wanted. So we we had a great history with both of them. Uh, which kind of told the story because uh, I think uh, uh, Tanae and Don West, they, they both told the story where uh, uh, Dustin had a history with us. So him turning on me kind of, you know, made, made sense. And then he uh, brings out, uh, he debuts this black rain character, um, which I think was an experiment. I guess they just wanted to see where it was going to go. I was kind of the Guinea pig in that, uh, which again, I didn't mind, you know, let's see what we can do with this. But uh, as you brought up earlier, that just wasn't the best time in Dustin's life. Um, so I did become a little frustrated because uh, in the matches we had, um, they were a lot more difficult to put together than they should have been. And um, I, I kind of feel like Dustin would, Dustin would probably tell you that as well. So I don't, I don't think I'm, you know, saying anything that that would surprise a lot of people, but um the, the matches, I, I think we pulled them off. Um, you know, the, the short time we were together, we pulled off the matches, but they were, they were a little difficult getting together. And uh, the feud was just kind of blown off. Um, uh, what a lot of people don't know, this is a little insight. I don't think I've, I've I don't know if I've talked about this before, but uh, they had this idea where Black Rain, you know, as, as sick as he was. And I think, I don't know if people remember uh, a lot of the TV skits, he had a rat running around. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, they had this idea where they wanted to put a bag over my head with the rat inside. And this is a real rat, man. You know, and I, you know, I, I don't know, at some point in the wrestling business, when you talk about putting a, a rodent in a bag in your, on your head, I mean, that, you know, that's just, I don't know, I, I, I kind of drew the line there. And, you know, I, I hate to say that, you know, I'm, I've never been a guy that refused something in the wrestling business, but but I remember having a talk with Vince, like, man, I'm just not comfortable with this. And I think we wound up doing something on a pay-per-view where they put the rat on my chest. Like I was down and they had the rat on my chest. So that was kind of a compromise. But as we, uh, a lot of us know in the wrestling business, you know, if you um, say you're not comfortable with something or especially if you refuse to do something, you never know what your direction is going to be then, man. And so uh, I don't know if they just kind of looked at it like, you know, they, I, I don't want to say they were done with me, but, um, they weren't, uh, I, I didn't feel like they were putting a whole lot of effort after that. So after my, um, after my program with Dustin was over, um, yeah, I just kind of felt lost there for a little bit, man. Um, 
there wasn't a whole lot going on. I was just being thrown in a match here and there with no real story. Um, and I felt like, uh, you know, I, I kind of felt like with what I had done, King of the Mountain with Christian, uh, then with Dustin, you know, I just felt like, you know, hey, this is, you know, let's see where we can go with this. I was ready to uh, give everything I had into this. And, um, you know, there just wasn't a whole lot of direction. And then um, this was around the time where a, a lot of, um, well, not, not a lot, but a handful of guys from WWE um, had been brought in. And um, it kind of seemed uh, from a talent's perspective that uh, if you had a WWE name with you, um, you're automatically going to be be pushed. And yeah. Um, yeah. there was a handful of guys. And I do not put Kurt Angle in that, in that category because Kurt came in and he was gung-ho for TNA. He wanted to do everything he could to, to uh, help help make TNA stronger and, uh, you know, put us on the map. Um, so I, I appreciate Kurt. He was willing to work with all the young talent and, uh, you know, just take them to a whole different level. But there was other guys that were coming in and um, they were just kind of being pushed to the top where a lot of the young guys, young, hungry guys, uh, I consider, you know, Bobby Roode, Eric Young, uh, Storm, uh, you know, a lot of guys in that category where, uh, you know, a lot of guys were just kind of being – you know, pushed to the side. And, um, that was all a, a, a timing thing. And, uh, it was a, it was a frustrating time and it just so happened that, and I'm sure you're going to get into it, but it just so happened that that was around when the, my contract was coming to an end. Oh, okay. So your contract was coming up. Okay. Um, but yeah, that would be frustrating because TNA had been known for a while there to be making their own stars through the company, you know, your America's most wanted your AJ styles, a whole bunch of those guys, you know, have been yep. a part of it since day dot, or at least a little while into uh, NWA TNA's run still there. But then all of a sudden you get an influx of four or five former WWE champions, or even just intercontinental champions being brought in that might bump you back down the pecking order so i can see how that can be a frustrating thing uh, uh january 7 2008 judas messias i think is how you pronounce it that's the final match you have your contract runs out um so did you at that point was there an interest from wwe um or you know w w what was the scenario there um Everybody has different uh, scenarios, I guess, uh, as far as, you know, reaching out and um, I guess we call it sending feelers out. And um, I guess I just wanted to explore my options with everything that was going on that we were talking about. You know, I, 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 there wasn't a whole lot of uh, thought being put into my character, not a whole lot of direction. Um, they were bringing in other guys um, from whether it's WWE, you brought up Judas Macias. Uh, you know, he was a guy from Puerto Rico. They were bringing, being brought in. Uh, and again, he ran over me um, to, to go on. I, I think he went with Abyss. I'm, I can't remember. But yeah, uh, that's yeah, it, was right. just, yeah. it was just one of those. It was just one of those times where, uh, you know, I just wanted to explore my options, man, because I didn't know what was going on there. And in fact, they, um, <clears throat> Kurt was being fo focused a lot then. He was in a lot of TV segments, which, again, like I said, Kurt was a, a team player. He was. He was there to do whatever he could for TNA, but he was, he was, they were using him in a lot of TV time that they could have used for a lot of younger uh, upcoming guys. And I used to make comments um, 
you know, I, I think we I would be putting segments with Kurt and I, I would they I would make comments where they would actually put it on TV where it's like, hey, if I'm going to get TV time, I better be in a uh, Kurt Angle segment. You know, so they <laughs> it looked like they were kind of going into a direction where um, I was being frustrated, almost like kind of had a little attitude and, uh, you know, kind of being a little whiny, things like that. And um, I, I could see it where it was going to go in a direction where I could actually be aligned with Kurt. So um, something like that would, would have been pretty exciting, but um, I just didn't see a whole lot of direction with that. And, um, and from the other side, what I was hearing is there was a lot of interest and a guy in my position, I'm thinking, well, Hey, there's interest there, you know, and I, I fed right into it. I mean, I, I was like, you know, Hey, these guys are interested. They can do something. Um, so maybe, maybe that's something I should look into and, the contract was coming to the end. And then uh, I guess just a added bonus to it. Um, they were going to give me a cut and pay. And, um, yeah. you know, right. like, and this kind of goes along with, you know, them bringing in all these WWE stars, well, where's all that money going? what's going to them, you know? And, and, um, and then they're going to, they're going to cut some of the guys that have been there since day one, uh, you know, give me a cut and pay. And um, I don't know numbers. I can't remember. I, I don't remember that far back, but um you know, it was, it was going to be a significant amount. And, uh, and I just thought to myself, that's, I mean, this is crazy. You know, I mean, what, you know, the, just, just everything on this side I was looking at. And then of course, like I said, I was, I was feeding into the, this side where, you know, Hey, we're going to do something and Hey, we're definitely interested and excited. And um, so it was just, it was weighing my options. It was a very difficult time. It was stressful. Um, because I, I consider myself a TNA guy. I, I, I mean, I didn't want to leave. Um, I just wanted to be wanted. Uh, that's all. I just wanted them to want me and, and, you know, Hey, let's, you know, let's go on to bigger and better things and, and, you know, keep growing the company. I, I, I never wanted to leave. Uh, but in the long run, that's the decision I made, you know, offer was made. I, uh, wound up going in that direction and, um, and, uh, yeah, that's, that's what I decided to do. And, um, you know, I left, I left TNA, the contract was up, you know, I, I think there's reports out there where I got released. I mean, that, that wasn't in my contract was up. So, um, I just didn't resign and, and went a different direction. Right. Yeah. No, on your Wikipedia article, it said you were released. I have a Wikipedia editor's account. I'm going to change that after this, um, because the truth has to be out there as much as possible. Yeah, man. Thank you. <laughs> that's, that's cool, man. Um, I, cause I just, uh, I didn't feel like you got released. Um, and you confirmed it with me right now, but that was just my feeling. Um, okay. So, uh, feel has been put out. I, I did see my research at the all state arena in Chi town. Uh, you take on Shelton Benjamin in a dark match on the 11th of March, 2008, um, but then I don't see that you, you don't actually debut in the WWE until July 8th. Was this just like a dark match, just to, uh, a tryout or, or something like that? Or, um, when was it that you actually were signed to the company? I think I signed in January. So it was, it was pretty quick. I mean, from when I left TNA and, and then had my contract with WWE, it was, it was all, that all went down in January. I think my last date. I think you even said it with Judas uh, was in beginning of January and by the end of January, I was signed. Um, so it happened pretty right. quick. Wow. Okay. I, yeah, uh, it was January 7th. I'm sorry. 
Uh, sorry, it was January 7th, the match with Judas. Uh, so, if, yeah, it's only a few weeks after that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I guess. Uh, so, yeah, I guess I said home for a month. They brought me in. Um, my first event was, uh, um, I think you just said Chicago. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Sheldon, which I think that's a normal thing. I mean, I, that was, I wasn't, um, you know, to put a new talent in a dark match. That was, uh, I think that, you know, that, that's a regular thing they would do just to kind of check you out, feel you out. Um, I don't think it was a great match. Um, looking back on it, I haven't watched it in a long time, but um, um, I kind of feel like uh, uh, Shelton was kind of going through a time right then. I mean, you know, he had been with the company for a long time and uh, they weren't really doing a whole lot with him. So maybe he was going through a frustrating time uh, for him, for himself. Uh, and then he gets put in a dark match with a uh, you know, new signee. So, you know, he may not have had uh, you know, been in the best moods um, so I don't think it was a great match, but, uh, you know, we got through it. Um, I'm not sure what they saw, if they were happy, or, um, uh, but, um, and I, I've said this many a times, I, I don't know if they even had any direction. Um, I don't know what their thinking was. Um, but I did start making some trips down to Tampa. This is before NXT. It was a uh, Florida championship wrestling where they, that was their developmental territory down there. Uh, so I did start making some trips down there and, and I started training with those guys um, every day, taking bumps every day. I mean, I, I felt like I was back in, you know, my, my normal, um, you know, training days. Um, so uh, once in a while I would be brought to TV, um, but there wasn't a whole lot going on. Um, yeah, man, I, I don't really remember the timeline of all this. I just remember when I was there, uh, whether it was down in Florida or being on on the road, I, like Florida, Tom Pritchard was down there and he, uh, you know, when I was first there, the first days of, of being there, you know, he made it like it was a big deal and, uh, you know, kind of put me over to the, to the, the rest of the team there. Uh, when I was on the road, uh, John Laurinaitis, you know, was talking big things, you know, to, to a lot of promises. Um, so I was, at, at first I was excited about being there. I felt like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm, I, you gotta be patient. You gotta be patient in this business. Um, so I'm just kind of waiting around and, uh, seeing what happens and, you know, just weeks, weeks would go by and, and each time it would go by, I just, I kind of got a little bit more frustrated, especially after TV, when they would send me back down to Tampa and, um, and, you know, doing, going through the training all the time, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just not sure what direction we were taking. So, um, you know, it started to get a little frustrating and, uh, you know, I was, um, I know. I, I mean, I was training. Uh, I was doing some of my best training um, of my life. Then I was uh, doing, you know, in the gym twice a day, uh, just trying to be ready for anything that they would, uh, they would, uh, you know, want me to prepare for. So, um, but it was, it was, uh, it was getting to be very frustrating. Um, I was kind of wondering, you know, what, what, what's going on? What are we doing? Um, I'm, I'm just kind of lost in the shuffle here. And uh, I think it was months. It wasn't until months later that they uh, brought me in for uh, a TV match. And then I think I did a skit in the back or uh, something like that, that people still talk about today for not good reason. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, man, they, yeah. The, the long, trying to, shorten it down there they had no idea what was going on this is a billion dollar company they had no idea oh i just to add to that i was brought in to uh 
uh, up to Connecticut, you know, I, um, uh, they gave, I went, I actually went up with Ron Killings, uh, cause him and I signed at the exact same time. And, right. um, uh, we went up there and had a tour of Titan Towers and, uh, both of us separately had, uh, long meetings with the writing team. Um, so, you know, for, for hours, uh, I was sitting there, you know, communicating back and forth with them. And I felt like, you know, we were bouncing some ideas off each other. And um, I felt like, okay, yeah, I remember walking out of that meeting feeling good. Uh, like, okay, you know, this this was a good step, you know, positive step. Uh, let these guys do what they do best and get creative and let's put something together. And absolutely nothing came of that. And, um, you know, and, and then, you know, I'm sure we'll get to it, but, you know, getting to my debut on TV, it was just – it was just so blah. I mean, it, there was just nothing to it and nobody cared. Um, just to give you an idea, um, Ron Killings and I signed at the exact same time. And if you remember, Ron had had a brief run with WWE, so they were familiar with him, you know. So I don't know if they necessarily looked at him as a, a, a TNA guy uh, because, you know, there's been talk. I mean, it's it's been talk for years that you know if you're not a WWE guy if you're not not a produced WWE guy uh you know you're in trouble um I was obviously looked at it as a TNA guy well Ron you know they were kind of open arms to him and um just to give you some kind of contrast here they sent a, a a TV crew to his home and um I think he's in North Carolina uh they sent a TV crew to his home and started filming some vignettes uh, to to show on TV to build up to Ron Killer or Our Truth to his debut, um, and you know any of us old school wrestlers, you know we can look back. Vignettes are magic. I mean they can they can really bring up a character uh, when they start debuting clips and vignettes week to week to week, build up to a debut of a character. I mean it can really make everything. Um, and so they did that with Ron. And so by the time Ron came out um, and he had, his music was his own, they let him use his own music. Um, you know, it, I, I think it, it was, it was exciting. I mean, I loved when Ron debuted and uh, people really cared about it. And they, they were like, you know, great, you know, a great new star here. And um, hell, he's still there today. But with me, they, that, that there was nothing, there was nothing behind it. Um, and the, the, the music was awful. Um, but yeah, there was just nothing in the debut. I mean, there was no reason for people to care. Yeah. And the, it, it's not off. It is often actually, um, that I go on a little bit of a rant sometimes <laughs> on the show. I'm interested because, um, when I, when I have my guests on my show, I like to put them up on a pedestal and, uh, I know that there are times in a lot of, uh, professional wrestlers careers where there's a lot of shit that's out of their control yet down the line especially with those toxic kind of not just marks but i like to call them skid marks they will <laughs> on they will actually blame the talent and 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 pick on them on the internet with a you know a, a twitter account that doesn't have their actual name or their actual picture in the in in the profile picture and then they'll they will they will talk shit about people um but so so this is why i like to go on these rants because it's important for me to get this out there because these interviews that i do i feel i do the ultimate interview with anyone and everyone that i have on the show and maybe i sound cocky but i can back it up um so this is what i want to say 
Okay, you, you're talking about the, the the contrast between your debut and Ron Killings. He gets vignettes. He gets his own music that he gets to rap to on the way to the ring. The art of debuting a wrestler on television is letting the people at home know that might not have been watching TNA for years know who this guy is figure out a character, spend a couple of hours to think of a direction and where you want that character or talent to be within six months to a year to two years. You should have a game plan for everybody that you are investing money in to draw money for your company. That's one thing that I wanted to bring up. It blows my mind that you can sign somebody to a contract that has so much promise and so much talent and not have a fucking game plan from day dot. And for you to sit at home from March of 2008 and not be brought to TV until July and you're doing stuff in Florida Championship Wrestling, you're working your ass off. And for them to have that amount of time and not sit there and think of something to do with you other than fucking Braden Walker who it's just a name. It's just two names put together. It's not a character. It's just a, it's just a name. They, they didn't even get you, get you to be Wildcat Chris Harris, which is what you were known as, because, oh, we need to come up with our own thing and so we can trademark it. Yet they bring guys in like CM Punk, and he could be CM Punk, but then they bring in Colt Cabana, and he has to be Scotty Goldman. It, it, these things happen all the time. Some people get favored and get given these opportunities, but other people, when they're brought in, they're not brought in with a game plan. And this is what they're given. And how are you supposed to make chicken salad out of chicken shit when you aren't doing any of the writing? You're just being told what to say in these, these segments backstage. This is what you're being given. You're doing it to the best of your ability, but you're only as good as the creative written for you. You're only as good as the content you were given. So for anyone out there that wants to disparage the name of Chris Harris for the run that he had as Braden Walker and the company, don't blame Chris Harris. You blame the company for not fucking knowing what they were doing and for, for doing wrong by somebody who had all the talent in the world to go as far as he could. That's my rant. Sorry, Chris, I had to say it. <sighs> well, Carl, thank you. Um, I appreciate all of that. And that, that you know, felt good coming from another voice. Um, I, the first thing I'll say, uh, I'll bring up the name. Um, I kind of went into the whole whole thing knowing uh, just from WWE's history uh, that, you know, Chris Harris wasn't was not going to make make the company. Um, uh, so switching it to Braden Walker. I was actually like, okay, give me whatever you want. I'll make it work. That was just the confidence that I had. So um, even though you know, we've heard, uh, we've heard funny stories in the past of where, you know, some of the talent had been given a list of names and some of those names are crazy. You know, I, I kind of went through the exact same thing. There was some, uh, some crazy names that were, that were there. And I tried to throw in my input, but long story short, we came up with Braden Walker. I felt confident enough in my ability. I'll make it work. Uh, let's, yeah. let's, let's just go with it and, uh, and uh, see where we go from here. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I have to agree with you with, uh, um, you know, the, the thought process here, uh, they, you know, th this big company and they have a team of writers. Like I remember days when there was just, you know, two, three, four people, they had a whole time. I mean, when I had that meeting, I can't, I, I lost count of how many people were in that meeting at this table. 
Um, they have a team of writers, and that is their job to come up with something creative. If they had no idea who I was, which I realize I'm in a whole new audience, you know, there's people that never watch TNA, have no idea who I am. I'm cool with that, you know, but give them a reason to care about somebody new, uh, whether it is vignettes or, you know, uh, if we're going to do these stupid backstage skits, let's at least make them make sense. You yeah. know, we did these backstage skits and they were just throwing lines out as we went. They had nothing. They had nothing. I mean, and I, um, this is something that's happened in uh, recent memory. Um, my first, my first TV match was, uh, um, yeah, what was his name? Um, Armando Estrada. Yeah, Armando. Um, he's actually come out on a interview or podcast or something. And I felt like, you know, like you brought up, you know, a lot of people, you know, trashed me for, uh, the failure. Um, and I'll, I'll take some responsibility for it, but, uh, people don't realize what went on behind the scenes. Well, Armando's been out there and he was in that room and he has backed me up uh, without even knowing it, saying that, you know, he felt bad for this new guy coming in and they were just feeding me lines. And, uh, you know, this whole, uh, you know, might as well bring it up. But, you know, Braden Walker, I'm going to knock your brains out. I mean, give me a break, man. That's awful. Yeah. But I was the new guy, man. I was the, I, I, I was going to do what I was told. And, uh, you know, so they say this and I'm like, and of course, I'm in my mind, I'm thinking that's awful. That's embarrassing. Uh, but, you know, they, they wanted me to say that. So. Um, so, yeah, I, <laughs> I said that it's and people still all this time <laughs> later. It's just amazing that, you know, people still remember that part. But um, no thought put, put into it whatsoever. Um, and not to throw somebody under the bus, but Bruce Pritchard was the producer of that skit. And um, in his defense, I know he was gone from the company um, not long after that. I know it was in 2008. So I don't know if he just wasn't feeling it, but he just seemed so disinterested in this whole skit. Um, so he was he was no help. Um, and uh, the the whoever else was in there feeding the lines, they were just giving the lines. But yeah, man, just no thought put into this whatsoever. And um just to add to this, I felt like, okay, name, music, uh, the look, uh, the, the horrible backstage skits, whatever. Put me in the ring and I'll make up for it because I, I felt strong enough that just get me in the ring and I'll make up for it with my talent. Because um, I felt like I could have a good match with anybody and if they could at least see that, add some character to it, and we got something. Just to add to that, um, when I had to go out for a match, they were telling me what to, what to do and what not to do. I could not even be myself in the ring. Um, they pretty much shut down every signature move I had, which, you know, I, I, I'm willing. I mean, I've always heard this about, you know, you got to adapt to the WWE style and uh, it's a whole new world. And oh, hey, I, I get that, man. I, I was willing to adapt to whatever I had to, you know, just let me plug in and listen and keep my eyes open and you tell me you know how i can program myself into this 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 style of of wrestling or tv or whatever the case is but man i would go out there for my matches and i'd kind of have stuff in my head of what i was going to do and um and you know sometimes a lot of the guys will go out during the day at the ring and kind of walk through a few things i can't tell you how many times i would walk through a move and I'd have somebody stop me and say, what are you doing? You can't do that. 
I mean, I, I, there were so, so many of my moves that were cut out. Uh, so, I, I mean, I think the last match I had, I must have thrown 15 clotheslines because they wouldn't let me do anything else. Um, it, it was just, it was, it was unbelievable. And I mean, there was, uh, you know, a lot, a lot of guys had, had come up and said something like that. But for example, I'll just bring up this one move, but my, the catatonic, which is what I had done for years. Omaga um, uh, had done a similar move to that. Um, so I felt like, okay, out of respect, it's, you know, it, I mean, that's what you do in the business. I went and talked to him and he had been in TNA for a brief run. So, uh, and I'd had some mat, uh, match with him. So um, I hung out with him, he, you know, a cool guy. Uh, we got along great. Um, he was, I do have to say he was a different person in WWE. So when I went to talk to him about it and I explained to him, this is what I do. This is what I'd like to do for, they were going to put me over. So I had to come up with a good finish. Um, so I said, this is what I do. And I've been doing it. I, I just want to talk to you about it. I don't remember the words I used, but pretty much asking, you know, uh, for his approval or permission, however you want to look at it, um, to do this move. And um, he just kind of looked at it like, you know, yeah, I mean, I, I just felt like he was blowing me off um, with a, you know, a roundabout no. I mean, he was saying, you know, if you think you can get that over as a finish, you know, it's a setup move for me, so it's not going to mean anything. And kind of dancing around the whole thing, but I took it as meaning, you know, okay, I this guy doesn't want me to do it or uh, – he set me up to fail. I mean, I almost feel like if I'd have done it anyway, people would have come to me and said, what are you doing? You know, I'd, I'd have got a heat for that. So, um, but yeah, man, I'm just, you know, I couldn't even be myself in the ring. Um, yeah. There were so many of, uh, of my moves that were too similar to what other people were doing. So I, I had to cut that out. So I think my first match, I won with a crossbody off the top, which even that looked like shit. <laughs> um, so it was, yeah, it was just all around, man. I mean, uh, like I said, I, I, I've tried to take enough responsibility myself for it. Um, I was there. Um, you know, they always say, you know, hey, you know, talent will shine through, it'll break through. Um, I felt like I had enough talent that I, I could have made something, but I just felt like there was there were so many things working against me. I, they just had no um, no focus, no direction, no nothing. I mean, I, I don't, and and I don't want to blame this on the whole TNA thing. Um, a lot of people said, do you think you, you know, you were labeled right when you went in? Yeah, kind of, I kind of, I do. Um, uh, I, I think at that time it was a lot different than it was a few years later, you know, when they wanted to, you know, um, you know, shut TNA down. I'll, I'll use uh, Monty Brown as another example, yeah. you know, great talent. I think he was huge in TNA. Um, they could have done something with him and he went through the same kind of thing, you know, uh, name change and they just had no direction for him and, and he was out of there um fortunately years later um i don't know where the wake-up call was where they finally were okay with acknowledging outside talent you know hey there, you know, there's there's life outside of wwe because uh, you know the, the name that jumps to the top of the list is aj you know uh, aj yeah. broke through the uh, but they 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 accepted AJ for what he had done in the past. Um, he was AJ Styles. He got to be himself. Bobby Roode, Samoa Joe, Eric Young. I mean, you know, these guys all came in as themselves and were able to be themselves. So um, I wasn't there, so I don't know where that breakthrough was. I'm glad it did because I love that all these guys went in and you know was able to you know make some good money for a, a brief period of time. AJ's at the top of his game. He he. I mean they. Um, he definitely shone through and then showed his talent, but, um, yeah, wherever that change happened, I'm glad it did. 
but unfortunately I was in the wrong time and, uh, there was just, uh, there was no thought put into it whatsoever. So, um, I don't know if, um, I don't know if the right words are, I was, I was set up to fail. I don't, I don't know what the right thing is, but, um, a lot of the blame does, I mean, I, I don't feel bad saying it. A lot of the blame does go on them. Um, but I'll accept it. You know, I'll accept some on my part too. Cause, um, you know, maybe I could have broke through, maybe I could have done some things different. I tried to communicate with, um, enough higher ups that I felt like, you know, Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm at least trying to communicate with them and, and seeing where we can go. But, um, yeah, man, just, uh, it was a bad, bad time. And, uh, Bad all around. I'm going to chime in here, Chris, and say 0% of it is your fault. You can be the nice guy at the end of the day and say that it's no, maybe some, no, no. You had everything, all your moves taken away from you. No one even tried to come up with a decent idea for you. Um, you weren't even able to be yourself whatsoever. You tried as hard as you could to communicate with Umaga, with management. You did everything you possibly could. It was all just totally against you. So 100% blame goes to them. And um, that's the end of the story. I'm not allowing you to have that as an answer. So, Well, thank you, Carl. <laughs> I really appreciate that, man. <laughs> no worries, bro. And look, we know we, we knew we were going to have to talk about that run at some point. And you, you beat James Curtis nearly a month later after the Armando match in Atlanta. Um, when did the release come? Did, did they did they call you and, and say that this wasn't working out? Or did you call them and say that, obviously, this isn't working out, I, I, I want to leave? What was that situation? Well, it was, um, it was probably the worst year of my life. Um, I was, um, I was in a funk. Um, I was going down a dark path. Um, I, I, for being in the biggest wrestling company in the world, and somebody that, you know, lived wrestling i mean I, that was all i wanted to do um had such a passion for it i can't believe these guys had enough control to break that down um mm. you know i felt like i could break through anything and then this company it, i, I kind of compared it and in no way am i saying i'm, I'm i was I, i've never been in the military or anything like that but it's almost like you know when you go into the military and they just break you down to where they can build you back up into their soldier and i and going in there, I felt like that they just wanted to break everything out of me. Um, and and at this point, I mean, I went in there and I'd, I'd been in the business 15 years. So, um, you know, I felt like, you know, I, I, I kind of established myself, maybe in my head, but I had established myself so I could, you know, go in there and, you know, put me in the ring with anybody and I'll, I'll get in there and do my thing. But, uh, um, yeah, it was just uh, it, it, all around. It was bad. Um, I was I was going down a dark path. And then I had my match with, uh, Curtis. Um, I think that was a match where, uh, again, they were, you know, I felt like a robot, man. They were just trying to program me into, you know, what to do in the ring. And, uh, just, it just didn't feel like me. It wasn't me. Um, I don't blame any of them on Curtis. He was, he was there trying to get a spot as well. Um, the only bonus of that match was, uh, again, they were looking for a finish, um, and I, I, uh, suggested the perfect plex. Um, right. it was just in the, in the back of my mind, it was something that, you know, kind of shot in there and I figured they'd turn it down for that reason. Cause it was, it was Kurt's move. And plus just a little side note, but, uh, Joe, his son, Curtis Axel was coming up in the Tampa, in the Tampa promotion. So 
I felt like they might have shut that down too, but uh, they were cool with it. Um, so I, I finished the match with the perfect plex. Um, I remember after the match, it was it was not good. Um, that was the match. I think I was throwing a bunch of clotheslines. They were uh, adding time, cutting time, adding time, cutting time. Um, which uh, and a lot of people say this, you know, in the wrestling business, you got to be ready for that. I mean, that's 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 part of being a good worker is, you know, you got to be able to adjust to the time. But I just I almost felt like they were fucking with me. Um, you know, the, I don't remember what how much time we had, but they just kept uh, adding time and then cutting it. And it just, you know, when you're in the ring and I'm already can't do what I normally do and I'm trying to you know be programmed by that, it was just it was a mess. So I was not happy with the match. I remember coming back. Um, um, I think Johnny was one of the guys I talked to, but um, I tried to stay positive. I was telling him, I was like, you know, look, it, it just, it didn't feel right. Um, but I'm willing to work. I'll, I'll keep working harder. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll make it work. And I just kept trying to be positive, even though um, it was, it was falling fast. And um, I think it, it might've just been a couple days later. Um, you know, I don't know if that was um, Monday, Tuesday or what, but uh, a couple of days later, I was uh, sitting in my home and I got a call from Johnny and he said, we're going to exercise our right to, uh, to release. And <laughs> the funny thing is, man, you know, a lot of guys, when they get released from their contract, you know, they're, I mean, that, that's the worst thing that could happen to them, to their career. Uh, and, you know, that, that just, you know, leads to nothing, nothing good. I was so relieved, man. I wanted out of there so bad. Um, I've told this story before, but it, 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 it's worth repeating because it, it just it shed some light on it. I remember I was uh, out on my deck talking to Johnny in this conversation. It wasn't a long conversation. Um, but uh, as soon as I was done, the, the girl I was dating at the time, I came back inside in my living room and um, she said, she looked at me and I told her I got my release. And she said that was the first time I had smiled in months. Wow. Um, so just, just to, I mean, for that to be the first thing she said, I mean, it was like, you know, even from an outsider, she's looking at it like, you know, you could tell the relief off my face. I mean, I just wanted out of there so bad. And uh, which is a shame, man, because, you know, I, I made it there. That was a goal of mine in my career. And uh, it just, uh, it just didn't go the way I wanted um, the way I'd hoped for. And, uh, but yeah, I, I wanted out of there so bad. And, uh, that was, that, that was the best thing for me, man. Um, I, it, it still took me a long time to crawl out of this dark hole that I had been in. I mean, I, I kind of went through a depression after that, uh, just because I, you know, I didn't know where I was going with my wrestling career, but, um, but the, the end result is, you know, they, they gave me my relief. Well, I didn't ask for it. They, they told me they were going to release because for whatever reason on their part, but I certainly didn't fight it. Um, I wasn't trying to, <laughs> to argue or anything like that. I was, Hey, can I come back sometime? And nothing like that. I wanted out and I never wanted to go back. Right. Yeah. And no, it, it, I feel bad hearing that it made you feel so down and all that stuff. Um, and I know, you know, this is 2008 and, you know, I will be bringing up Sacrifice 2011 with TNA. Um, but, you know, that's just, you know, three years there. Um, were you thinking to yourself at this point, like, oh, 
you know, maybe I need to do something else with my life. Uh, what was that time period like for these three years before this opportunity to do something with TNA again arose? Uh, the best I can remember. I mean, it was, uh, it was, it was a bad time. I mean, I'll just say that. I mean, I went through a, a really bad depression. Um, I did kind of feel out TNA a little bit and, um, I guess, you know, in a perfect world, you know, they'd have accepted me back with open arms, but the truth is they were, they were still pissed off for me leaving. So I don't think they were too into uh, yeah, Hey, come on back. You know, that, which I, I can't, number one, I can't blame them. And number two, that was probably a good idea because I wasn't ready. Um, I was just in such a state that um, I, I didn't have my heart in the wrestling and that wouldn't have been, um, they didn't deserve that. If, if they would have brought me back, my heart would have been into it. Uh, so, that, you know, it, it would have just been bad for me. It would have been bad for the company. So um, I'm kind of glad they didn't bring me back right away. Um, I just had to kind of, you know, fight my way out of it a little bit. And uh, um, I don't even think I did. I don't think I did any wrestling for a long time. Um, I didn't even do indies or anything. So, uh, so I got out of it. But I uh, started feeling my way back in, st still doing some indies. Um, I kind of had to break the stink of Braden Walker because uh, that was fresh in everybody's mind. But um, I still wanted to get in the ring and then try to break through it. Uh, I did some local stuff. I did some traveling. Uh, uh, not a lot, but a little bit. And um, But I, I did keep in ties with, uh, um, with uh, TNA. In fact, um, about a year later, uh, after I got released, I actually moved to Orlando. So um, it was kind of like a... Uh, once I went through that brief period of, uh, you know, trying to find myself again, um, I just, I wanted a whole new start, uh, just a whole new fresh uh, uh, breath, fresh air. Um, so I moved to Orlando. I loved the place. I, you know, spent enough time down there with TNA. So uh, I was familiar with it. So I moved down there. I wound up down there for five years, but that, that also meant I was close to TNA and they, they were always, um, uh, you know, there wasn't much talk of, of doing something, but um, they were always open to me if I happen to show up to watch the show or say hi to some friends or anything like that. You know, they were always really cool with it. Um, and I got, you know, I hung out with them afterwards, you know, if we went to grab a bite to eat or grab a beer or something like that. So, um, so I, I, I kept in contact with them. So, um, yeah, whenever, when that, that did wind up rolling around, um, you know, it wasn't like a, a out of the blue kind of thing. I, it was a real exciting thing. I was, I was glad to get that call. Yeah. Awesome, man. And, uh, I just watched this promo earlier and I was so frustrated earlier because I was trying to find the match with you and Jeff for the world title, um, back in the day on YouTube. It's not there. Um, so I'm going to have to like dig deep into my archives because I've got a lot of stuff on my hard drive to watch that again. But I, I was able to find this and it was uh, Matt Hardy uh, having a bit of a back and forth with Beer Money, which obviously features your former tag partner, James Storm with Bobby Roode. Um, and, you know, they were talking about him having a, a surprise tag team partner to face them at Sacrifice. Uh, and then right near the end of the segment, out comes Wildcat Chris Harris. Uh, so this is like, you know, I remember at the time, this was like right near the end where I, I, I'd stopped watching TNA pretty soon after this. It wasn't long. Um, but that as a fan, I gave up on TNA around 2011, 2012. Um, I just wasn't happy with what I was getting on television, but I was really, I was like, it has to be Chris Harris it has to be Chris Harris. And it was, 
Uh, so you end up teaming <laughs> with Matt Hardy against Beer Money at Sacrifice 2011 for the tag team titles. Uh, Beer Money pick up the victory. Um, okay, so the opportunity to come back takes place. You have the match, but then you don't stay with TNA. What was what was that situation there? Um, again, timing's everything with wrestling. Um, I, they may have been leading to a Beer Money um, um, Hardy Boys match. Um, and I, I don't want to, I don't want to speak for uh, Jeff's position here, but for, for whatever reason, it was a, t- a time where he was out of, uh, out of the company or uh, a brief hi- hiatus or, or something. But uh, uh, so Jeff was kind of pulled out of the picture and uh, it was a, a perfect fit, man. Um, I think Matt even set it up for, uh, I don't know, two, three weeks where um, the buildup was going to be, Jeff. you know, a lot of people were thinking it was Jeff. Um, and I think, uh, beer money even did a promo where they said, Hey, we know your partner's Jeff. And so, uh, me coming out. Yeah. And the thing is, if you're following the story, the story was great. Um, you know, with the history, um, if you're an old, old TNA fan, you know, th- this was exciting, uh, to come out and be a surprise for Matt and Hey, the history's there with me and storm. And, uh, so it was great. Um, but this was also in the Hogan Bischoff era where, um, I don't know. I, I don't want to speak for them, but I guarantee they weren't watching anything with TNA back in the early days with America's Most Wanted. So to yeah. them, it, it, this probably was a, a shit story, shit match. Who's this guy we're bringing in? You know, it, it, you know, this was 2011. Um, the last, you know, Storm and I had, uh, you know, been together on TV, feuding even. You know, was 07, 08. Yeah. Um, so you know, it was exciting to to a lot of uh, you know uh, faithful fans, um, but maybe to the new audience that you know Hogan and Bischoff was uh, bringing into it, you know that maybe they didn't care. But it was exciting to me, man. I was I was glad to get that phone call. Um, getting a team with Matt was awesome. Uh, getting to wrestle Beer Money, I'm, I was actually a fan of Beer Money. I think a lot of people at the time. They thought that, you know, oh God, Storm's moved on and I must hate this. And I love beer money. They were entertaining, man. They were, they were great. Um, and I've always been, I've, I've always been close with Bobby too. Uh, so, you know, that they were both great talents. I think putting them together, uh, much like Storm and I were put together. I think they, you know, they, they, they love their work. They just didn't have anything for them. Uh, and so they put them together and those guys, much like Storm and I did, they were like, Hey, let's make it work. Yeah. So they put their money together and they made it, you know, they, they made it. Um, so I, I thought it was a great match. I was looking forward to it. Um, the truth is um, I dug a little deeper into it and there was some storylines set up for it. Um, I think they were uh, um, from what I understand uh, they were, they were eventually going to want uh, uh, to break Bobby out into the singles. And uh, they, they, they gave me week to week, you know, I, I don't remember if I was talking to Terry Taylor or Vince, um, I think it was Vince, uh, but um, they had kind of uh, laid out a storyline where um, uh, Bobby was going to get hurt and they almost needed a last minute replacement. Um, and I was going to kind of, you know, throw my name in the hat and be like, hey, you know, we got successful. And I think it was maybe even been uh, for the tag titles or something like that. But, uh, hey, we, we got history, you know, we, we can make this work. And um, anyway, I'm not sure exactly how it was going to fall down, but Storm and I were going to team and. Bobby was going to be supportive, but then it was going to be some kind of a split there. But anyway, they were going right. to eventually put America's Most Wanted back together. 
And um, however it got there, you know, I mean, that, I'm sure it would have changed anyway. But so I was excited, man. I was like, you know, hey, let, let's uh, second second chance for me. Let's make this work. And um, I was kind of kind of told that the day of the pay-per-view, which we had done uh, some house shows leading up to it, just to give get us all some, you know, feeling out process. And um, so we had done some matches leading up to that. But the big match was on the pay-per-view. And um, I felt like it was a, a good match. I'm, um, I don't know how they looked at it, but um, I, I, I thought it was a good match. But um, all the talk afterwards was, you know, hey, that that's just a one and done kind of thing. And, you know, we'll see, uh, we'll see where we're going from here. And I guess I tried to, you know, keep my spirits up, but um, I wasn't too sure what was going on. And, and, but that was it. Yeah, it was a one and done, man. And uh, um, uh, I can't remember what direction they went in, but um, yeah, that was it. I, I don't know. I still to this, this day don't know exactly what the, what was behind it. Um, I think that uh, again, we go back to the packages, man. If you, if you had just shown uh, some some highlights of America's Most Wanted, or you know something something just to to refresh the the, the newer audience of where we were coming from, we'd have had them. You know, even the new audience would have cared uh, as to where we were going for this, and we'd have you know had them interested to where you know people would have been tuning in to see where this story was going to go. So um, I think uh, it, was, it was something that was exciting that. Um, was on the horizon. I think it w- could have been pretty cool, but uh, didn't work out. And uh, they were they were done after that night. Right. Well, now I know the scoop there on that. And you're right. If they showed some old footage, it might have led to some more things. And you know, the Bischoff Hogan era with TNA's, you know, quite controversial uh, in the fact that um, you know they they. I think Eric said on day one, everything that ever happened here before I got here doesn't matter. So when I hear stuff like that, it's like, okay, well, fair enough. That's why it went so well for you, bro, after <laughs> after you were there. But uh, anyway, look, I'm not going to tell Eric Bischoff how to do his job. But um, uh, it appears after this, and this is in my research, if I'm wrong again, please tell me. Between 2012 and 2018, you wrestle only 31 matches. Is that true? been missing uh you maybe missed a handful of them or one or two or something i don't know but um i know it wasn't a lot um because uh i was still trying to i guess maybe keep my name out there a little bit and um and kind of see where it was going i think for a while i was i was still hopeful of certain things but as the year as those years were going on um you know the injuries started piling up i went through some health issues uh, so, um, little by little, um, without any, um, uh, I, I guess I would say, you know, positive direction in the, the wrestling world, um, it was kind of going a different direction. So little by little, I was kind of fading out and, um, towards those later years, I'd, um, started picking up on, I, I think that's when, uh, you know, a lot of conventions were getting big. And, uh, uh so I, I started doing more appearances uh, and less wrestling. Um, so I, I actually started kind of getting into that, even though, um, you know, maybe with the right training, I could have got back in there, but, um, uh, that, that just wasn't, I, I don't know. I guess I, I, um, I don't know if I've ever been asked that, uh, as far as a direction right then, but, 
the matches sound about right, uh, but I was kind of transitioning out uh, out of that and um, only doing a handful of bookings. You know, maybe if the you know I was willing to or if I was able to make some decent money. Um, but then I just started doing more appearances uh, and signings and things like that, and which even has led into you know nowadays. You know, even in the past. Uh, year or so I mean it, it, they turned it into virtual signings which was a whole new thing for me so um, but yeah I, I was kind of leading into uh, doing more appearances and uh, I always enjoyed that because I could sign autographs and not take any bumps so <laughs> that, was, uh, that was a lot better on the body <laughs> fair enough right um, I, I I believe this might have been your last match but tell me if this is if this is right or wrong February 10th 2018 at ASWA Saturday Saturday Night Slam in Mansfield Ohio against a guy by the name of Ethan Wright was that your last match that you had in wrestling uh no um I've had some since then but okay uh leading uh leading in that that whole direct what was that 2018 February 10th 2018 yeah that was, um, other than local stuff, that was one of the last promotions um, that I worked with. And the only reason I stuck to that one longer um, was because that was the original training center that I went to. That was those guys. Right. Um, so they were, they were still running shows and they got in contact with me and, uh, you know, talked about me coming in. So I was getting to see some familiar faces, some guys I hadn't seen in, you know, 20, 25 years. Uh, so it was, it was kind of cool and I was working for them, but it, it got to be, um, and that's only been, you know, two, three years ago, but it, it started getting to a point where, um, with the travel and, um, even just the preparation for matches, I just, um, it just wasn't fun anymore. And, you know, if, if you're not having fun with this, if you're not, uh, if you don't have your heart into it, um, I mean, I, I felt like I was still performing okay, but it was more of a struggle to to get through it so um yeah when you're not having fun anymore then you, you're not doing anybody any favors so you know it's just it's time to step back and uh so that was one of the last promotions that i worked for um and it, that sounds about right i think ethan probably was my, one of my last matches there or, or the last match um great talent too he's a good kid um i hope so you know great things for him um but after that, I kind of transitioned, and uh, um, I had still done some work with this lo the local promotion. It's the Northern Wrestling Federation out of Cincinnati, and I just decided that I think you know, uh, other than the signings, which I still do, and uh, the the appearances and things like that, um, I, I still do those dates, you know, with no wrestling. But um, other, uh, I, I still do some local stuff, and I've actually gotten into the training center where I'm actually one of the uh, helping out with a lot of the younger students, the newer students. And, and that has really ignited me all over again, because I found a whole new level of a passion that I once had. Now I get to see it in all these young, hungry guys and, and which I can relate to. And I always felt like that, um, that I could give back to the business. I always felt like, you know, now that I have uh, you know, 25, 26 years under my belt, um, now it can be time where I, I, you know, I can, you know, help some of these other guys become some stars that, you know, and add some expertise that uh, they may not have, you know, a lot of the, you know, a lot of trainers around here, not around here, around anywhere. A lot of the trainers, you know, sometimes they, they haven't, you know, um, been to certain, certain places that, uh, that I have. So 
uh, the, I'd like to be able to bring that into it and uh, just share any kind of knowledge that I have. So um, that's kind of what I've gotten into now, man. I'm, I've been really enjoying it. Uh, I love seeing these guys get out there and, um, and I, I, I do that a couple times a week. And then obviously on the shows, I uh, help, help them put their matches together. And it's just, it's really uh, giving me a whole new fire to it, man. I re really enjoy that. And uh, uh, so I, I do uh, local stuff and, one, you know, people ask me about the wrestling and the, the truth is, I know I don't, I don't do much. Um, the only reason I say much is because once in a while, Roger Ruffin will get into my head and he'll talk me into getting in there and doing a tag match or something like that. So um, I always blame him for that because I'll do it more as a favor. And, and plus I'm comfortable with these guys. I, they, they can work around my limitations and uh, things like that. So um so yeah, once in a while I'll, I'll do that, but uh, for the most part, man, I do um, uh, do the training, and uh, I'm still doing the appearances and signings, you know, to whatever's out there, and hopefully we can get back to you know doing some bigger and better things, you know, once once the whole uh, you know the COVID's all done and things like that. So um, so yeah, man, that's that's kind of where I'm at now. That's brilliant, bro. Love hearing all that and glad to hear that you're, you're giving back to the business that you gave so much to as well. Um, and, you know, I didn't even realize that this had happened until today. And I, I was so happy to see the footage of it. March 30th of this year, episode of Impact. Uh, you show up on Impact, um, appearing for James Storm's 100,000th match, Jesus. 1,000th match. It's, it's 1.30 in the morning now. <laughs> it's 1.30 in the morning now. But it's 1,000th <laughs> match in the company. And you aid him in defeating Eric Young. And I got to see one of those Southpaw left hands one more time. Loved it. Uh, <laughs> didn't know even know this happened until today. This is how you know far removed I am from um, some of the current product, and that's on me. But um, how was that? You know, who contacted you to be a part of this? Did James have a hand in that? And you must have been pretty excited to, um, after all these years, be back on on uh, Impact. It was extremely exciting, man. And uh, throwing that left hand, man, it couldn't happen to a better guy, Eric Young. So uh, it felt it felt felt great to pop him one more time. Uh, yeah, I, I've kind of stayed in kind of. I've obviously, I've been in. Uh, I've, Storm and I have kept in touch, so I, I've kept up with his career, um, and he's doing great. And then um, I've actually kept in touch with Impact as well. Um, uh, kind of going back to what I was saying as far as giving back, you know, I always felt like I would, I would be great in some kind of a, uh, the agent producer kind of position. Um, and the only company I ever really sought my, uh, saw myself, uh, doing that for would be impact just because of the, the history. I mean, I, my heart would be into that. So, um, I've, I've kind of felt that out. And, uh, as we all know, Scott, the is running that thing. I have a history with Scott, um, he's always been a great friend to me. So we've kept in touch and of course I've thrown it out there. You know, he, he knows where I stand and, uh, if they're ever looking for something like that, then, you know, hopefully he contacts me. Um, but yeah, we, we've kept in contact. So this came up and, uh, no storm. And I actually kind of laugh about it because he didn't even know about it. Uh, somebody must've been keeping track and, uh, sent him something. I'm assuming social media about it being his 1000th match in the company, just in, uh, in TNA impact. And, uh, so the, the company got wind of it and 
um, decided to make something make something out of it, which I'm so glad they did. I mean, it, you know, just kind of added some interest to uh, to what was going on. But uh, yeah, Scott Scott got in contact with me and told me they were going to do this big thing with uh, Storm's 1,000th match. And how about I come in and be a part of it? And I was like, hey, let's do it, man. I, I'm, I'm in. And um, so I, I went in for the taping and, and uh, yeah, he had his match with Eric. We did a couple of backstage skits too that were fun. Um, in fact, you know, the, I, I think our face-to-face when I first came out um, in that backstage skit, I think that got more attention than the match itself just because they saw us face-to-face and nobody really knew what was going to happen with the history. And uh, we, we hesitated for about four or five seconds and then got a big hug out of it. So um, I, was, I was so happy and excited with the feedback I got. I, I never imagined it was going to be like that, man. But so many people uh, came out of the woodworks after they saw that and just loved talking about even though it wasn't a tag match, an AMW reunion, um, there were so many people that, um, you know, I, I just got so much positive feedback from that. And, and so that was really cool. And um, hell, it even, I don't mind mentioning that it helped out my bookings too. So, uh, you know, a lot of people were wanting, you know, uh, asking about appearances and, and things like that. Um, actually, in a couple of weeks, um, Storm and I are doing a little bit of a reunion. Um, we got an event that we're doing. Um, Storm's wrestling. I'll be in his corner. Uh, so we got, you know, just a little, little something there for the people. And, um, you know, that, that want to reach out and, uh, you know, we're, of course we're looking to do any kind of events like that. And I, I think a lot of people I've, I've heard a lot of talk like this, you know, they, they want to see another tag match and I'd <laughs> love to be able to give that to them. But, you know, if I can't give the, the wildcat of old man, I don't, I don't want to let anybody down. So, uh, I'd I'd rather them remember the 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 good matches and the you know when I when I could really go and not show them a, a shell of my former self. So um, hopefully people are happy when they just if, if we did just do some appearances where we're together, uh, him and I are together, and uh, you know Storm can still go. I mean he's in great shape. Uh, he's still doing he's still out there and uh, doing great. So um, anything I can do to support him and. Um, you know, being a part of that is, is awesome. So, uh, but yeah, the, the whole impact thing, man, that was great. It was great to be there. I, I saw some familiar faces, um, got to see some of the new talent. So uh, yeah, it was really great being there. It was very different doing it in front of no fans and yeah. wrestling the past year or so. Uh, so that, yeah, that, that was a little different, um, but hopefully, um, I think we all can speak for this, but we're all looking forward to getting the fans back. And um, I think that really, it, it that's so hard. I, I give these guys credit now that are doing it nowadays, man. That's That's gotta be so hard to do it without the fans. And I've had no fans in the crowd before, but that's just because they didn't pay to come see us. So uh, <laughs> back on the, on the indie dates, you know. <laughs> um, but yeah, man, uh, that was really cool to do. Uh, hopefully there's some more, uh, events we can do in the future. And, uh, and yeah, I'd love to be in some kind of a backstage role sometime, you know, not in front of the camera, but, uh, backstage. So, uh, yeah, man, that was, that was a lot of fun. It felt, felt really good. It felt like being home again. It felt great to be back. That's great, bro. Really glad to hear that whole story. And I really do hope that Scott brings you in to work backstage because I think, uh, you know, a wrestling mind like yours definitely needs to be utilized in a, in a very important role. And uh, in what you're doing now with um, Northern is really great too. But, you know, to be a part of Impact as well, that would just be, you know, 
fantastic for you and the company and anyone that comes yeah. into contact with you there. Um, so you've, you've plugged a couple of things, but at this time, please, if there's anything else that you want to plug, maybe a pro wrestling tea store or a website, anything that you've got, please tell everyone out there where they can find you and, and, and what's going on. Well, thank you, Carl, for asking. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, best way to get in touch with me is on our Twitter. It's at AMW Wildcat. Uh, I try to check that and get in, uh, communicate with everybody with that. Uh, my wife has gotten me introduced to Instagram now. So um, <laughs> I'm not the most tech technology kind of guy. She, she, as you probably know, because she had to set this up with you. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm on Instagram now at AMW Wildcat Chris Harris. Um, I do have merch out there. I got a lot of merch um, that's that's becoming real popular. I got some T-shirts. I still have the action figures, the AMW DVDs. Uh, I got some shot glasses, um, some some really cool stuff. But you can check all that out at amwwildcat.com. And then anybody interested in bookings uh, for appearances, uh, the signings, or uh, you know anything to do with a, a wrestling event itself. Um, you can contact www.lomopro.com, or I'm sorry, the Lomopro, T H E L O M O P R O.com. So you can get it, get in touch with me for bookings on that. And uh, yeah, man, anybody that wants to reach out to me, the, those are the ways to do it. So uh, I love, I, I love staying in contact with the fans, and uh, being that I've been out of out of the game for so long. Um, are really into the you know the depth of the game for so long. Uh, I, I I love hearing the support, man, and and uh, it's fresh in my mind now because of what I just did with Impact. So uh, it was kind of cool to see a lot of people come out and and uh, really appreciate that. And I'm I'm glad people are still supporting Impact. Um, hopefully, you know I, I think they're teasing a lot of new stars. So hopefully, some of these uh, you know new faces or old faces uh, from before, you know, can come back and, um, you know, I, I hope nothing for the best, but uh, impact. And, and I try to stay up with the product as well, man. I'm, I try to check out a little bit of everything. Uh, you know, I'm a big fan of AEW. Uh, I, I, I love what they're doing and hopefully they keep going. Uh, I try to keep up with ring of honor, NWA pros coming back. Uh, so yeah, a lot, a lot of big things, man. And I, I think it's a, I think, you know, again, once we get rid of this, uh, this whole COVID stink, um, I think it's a great time in the wrestling business, man. There's, um, I, I, I hope, but nothing but jobs for everybody, man. I want everybody to be able to make a living doing this. And uh, like I said, I, I'm glad I get to train some of the guys. And there's a lot of guys out there on the road now that, that are, you know, struggling you know, since there hasn't been as many events going on. Uh, but yeah, there's a lot of places, man. There's a lot of opportunity out there for uh, for people to work. So um, I, I I want everybody. I want a success for everybody, man. I mean, anybody that has their heart and soul into this business and they can really you know make a name for themselves, man. That's it's 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 better for everybody. It's better for the wrestling world. I agree, bro. One hundred percent. Exciting times are ahead once we get through this bullshit that's going on. We're so <laughs> close. I could. I, it feel we've we're so close. Um, so close, man. Wait. Yeah, I can't wait. I can't wait to see a rock concert again. I mean, ah, it's been so long. Anyway, sporting events. I mean, uh, you know, we can. 
get a big crowd out of sporting events and of course wrestling man i mean um yeah. the promote the promotion here we uh we just started back um it's in kentucky there's still limitations in in other states but in kentucky they kind of broke it off and uh uh there's, i think there's a number on capacity but uh, we were in a big, a big, uh, area, uh, that the building we were doing, was a big area so everybody could spread out. But, uh, right. our first event back just a few months ago was, was packed. Uh, so I think the people are ready, man. I think they want to see wrestling again. And as soon as we can start having our events again with no limitations, people are going to come out, man. And, and the, the, the guys are going to love it because that, the feedback from the crowd, there's nothing like it, man, you know, to, to feed off the crowd and, and, get that energy going man it, 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 there's nothing there's no high like it man it's awesome <laughs> absolutely bro absolutely and um chris this brings us to my segment five second frenzy uh so it's it's like right. i don't know how many it's about maybe 10 to 12 quick fire questions it's about your favorite this your favorite that there's a few about wrestling but the rest are about other things in life because not everything in the wrestling interview has to be about now i have to warn you carl i've been hitting the head a lot i've had some concussions so you say rapid fire but it may take me a few few extra seconds to get some answers in here it's okay i'm used to it. i've i've interviewed men even much older than you so uh <laughs> all right I understand. Um, I'll give it a shot, though. All right, Chris Harris, Wildcat Chris Harris. Here we go. Five second frenzy. First question: Who is your favorite wrestler? Oh wow! Um, my first answer. Uh, I got two. I have to throw two out there. My first answer: Growing up as a superhero, because they were superheroes to me, was Randy Savage. I was a Macho Man guy. Uh, that's the guy I watched growing up. Once I got in the business, uh, started learning more about it and appreciating the work, it was Bret Hart. Excellent decisions there. Those two were two of my favorites uh, growing up as well. Who was your favorite opponent that you've had over the years? Hmm. Uh, wow, man. That can't be a rapid fire. That's a whole nother conversation. It's okay. You um, won't get in trouble. It's okay. From start to finish, um, I would have to say, uh, uh, and, and even though this goes back to the Indies, you know, a lot of people didn't see these matches, but one of my favorite opponents was Abyss. Uh, we came up together, um, and it was a, it was, we actually were, uh, were so excited. We got to get in the ring with each other several times in TNA. So we actually got to, you know, get on pay-per-view and uh, TV and stuff. So he was definitely one of my favorites. Storm was one of my favorites. Um you know, and then the, the, I had my own favorites with tag teams as well. But um, yeah, those I'd have to I'd have to bring up some of those names, man. And uh, got to throw Kurt in there too, uh, just because of my friendship with him. It was it was awesome to be able to work with him. Absolutely, bro. Um, favorite. This is a tough one, I know. But favorite match you've ever had? Uh <laughs> I know, I know it's a hard one. Uh, maybe um, if I had to pick one, let's uh, let's start with the tag team. Maybe uh, the Six Sides of Steel with Triple X. Um, that got so much attention. Um, even though it was a gimmick match, cage match, you know, it's it's still I, we put so much into it. I think that uh, that's that definitely stands out. Singles, I would have to say, you know. Uh, Storm Texas Death Match, or even Jeff that uh, NWA title match I had with Jeff. You know, I, 
that 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 meant a lot to me. That put me put me on the map. So a uh, couple favorites there. Excellent, and uh, and all those decisions there. I I agree one hundred percent that they. You know, if anyone wants to see the best of Chris Harris, that's those are the three you go to. Uh, <laughs> favorite book. Getting away from wrestling. Favorite book. Uh, I would have to pick a autobiography of wrestling. Um, I hate to go back to wrestling, but that's, that was all I read forever. Um, um, maybe Mick Foley's his first. Fantastic. Um, yeah. I really enjoyed that. He's a great writer. I, to this day, I mean, I, I complain about my concussions and remembering, I have I have trouble remembering things back in the day. I don't know how the hell that guy has put his body through all that and still remembers to tell stories like that. So um, <laughs> I really enjoyed that bu- that book. Yeah, I agree. That was one of the first books that I ever had, like wrestling autobiographies when I was a kid. And right right now, I'm um, I'm in the middle of uh, in between Jim Ross's books. Oh, cool. Yeah, I haven't had the chance to check them out, but I bet there's a wealth um, of Slobberknocker, Slobberknocker I just got finished with and um, getting ready to start under the black hat. Very nice. Um, okay, another one that's tough for a lot of people. Favorite TV show? Ooh. Of all time, this is going to throw people off. Uh, my favorite TV show of all time was 24. I don't know if you remember that or not. Yeah, no, I but, remember. Um, yeah. That was uh, that was one of my. It just, I guess, it was one of my favorites because uh, it just, it, it, there was a cliffhanger every time. It was, it was action packed, and it, so many people that I got hooked on it. They got so pissed off because after every episode, they would have to watch another one. You wind up watching <laughs> hours of this TV. I mean, it was one of those. So I highly recommend that. A lot of people, you know, nowadays they binge watch. That's one of those to go back to and, and, and watch. But I also have to throw out, you know, as far as a sitcom, a comedy or anything like that, I'm a big Friends guy. Love Friends. Very nice. Very nice. And, you know, in the past, I have been, you know, there's been a spanner thrown in the works for that answer. Sabu said that his favorite TV show was like the Real Housewives of something or other. I couldn't believe you gotta that. you got to be kidding me. Of all people. That of all said- people. <laughs> he said that. <laughs> um, okay, the next one is another tough one. Favorite film? Film. Oh, um, I got to go with Rocky, man. I'm a I'm a huge Rocky fan, and uh, it's hard to it's hard to pick one. I'm just a fan of the whole series. That was a uh, that was a big motivation for me getting into wrestling, which is kind of crazy because it's boxing. But um, I actually became a fan of boxing first. And, uh, you know, uh, got my own pair of gloves as a kid and was boxing everybody. And somehow that transitioned into wrestling where I became a wrestling fan. But but as far as motivation and inspiration, um, Rocky, I mean, you watch that movie and you're ready to go tear somebody up. So, uh, (laughs) yeah, that's that's my favorite of all time, man. Awesome, bro. Uh, The next one is favorite food. My go to cheat meal is, is pizza. I'm a pizza guy, man. I, uh, I still try to keep a decent diet, you know, nothing like I, what I used to, but about once a week, my, my wife and I'll spurge, we'll order a pizza, man. And that I tear that up. <laughs> <laughs> we do get the answer pizza a lot on the show. Uh, but the next one is favorite place to eat on the road. Oh, 
Uh, let's see, I'll give a, two answers to this to completely different, different uh, sides of the spectrum. But um, I would say after the batches to, uh, to go have a decent meal and uh, have a, a, a nice drink, beer or whatever is uh, maybe an Applebee's, um, uh, you know, kind of like a sports bar, kind of like that where you can get a decent meal, but also have a drink with it and, you know, kind of uh, share some time with the boys. But on the road, man, when you're uh, when you're you know you're you're riding hundreds of miles for hours at a time, you know you can only find so much on the road. And uh, the go-to spot was Waffle House. <laughs> I know a lot of people would be like, "You got to be kidding me!" But man, I mean, we wrestled on at, on holidays a lot of times. You know, with their Thanksgiving or Christmas. You know, we're you know back in the day, man, those were big wrestling dates. And there's nothing open on those days. So you, you find a Waffle House and that, that, that was your meal for the night. <laughs> yeah, we get Waffle House quite a lot. Uh, <laughs> oh, okay. Surprising. <laughs> uh, the third last one here for Five Second Frenzy. Chris, what is your favorite alcoholic beverage? Uh, I, for a long time, was a beer drinker. Um. I was a beer drinker, maybe, you know, throwing in a, a, a few shots along the way. Um, I have to say, you know, I, I got to blame, I got to blame that damn Kurt Henning for this, but he got me on that Jack Daniels, <laughs> which, you know, I, I, I've come to learn in, in all these years, you know, that that's a wrestler's drink. So I'm, I'm actually kind of proud of that. But uh, <laughs> I remember, uh, I remember taking my first shot of Jack and uh, anybody that's heard stories about whether it's Kurt or I, I think even Takers adapted this, but um, Kurt makes you gargle. He makes you gargle that stuff. And <laughs> yeah. I remember him telling me to do that. And this is Kurt Henning telling me I'm hanging out with Kurt Henning and, uh, you know, he tells me to gargle it. I'm like, okay, you know, I'll gargle it. We took our shot. He could tell I was going to, I was just going to swallow it. There ain't no way I'm gargling that shit. So I go to, I go to swallow it. He goozles me so that I can't swallow and makes me gargle that Jack. So um, that's something I've, I've adopted. And now all the younger guys, whenever uh, they want to try to hang with me, uh, that's, that's what I go to. I make them do the, I make them do the shots of Jack and uh, I'll even make them gargle the first time. <laughs> Excellent stuff, man. Uh, two to go. The naughtiest one of five second frenzy, your favorite female body part. When you're going to check out a girl that you, that's quite attractive. What's the first thing that your eyes will go to? I'm an ass guy. <laughs> Fantastic, I, always, I, I always go to the ass, man. I'm a, a lot of people ask me about being a boob guy. I'm, I'm not a boob guy. Never have been. Uh, but, but man, love those asses. <laughs> I am down with that, bro. And the last <laughs> one here on five second frenzy is your favorite curse word. I don't think you've sworn much tonight, but what is your favorite curse word? Well, you never want, you know, you always want to feel your, 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 uh, host out. So I mean, you know, most, I think most of the podcasts are, are pretty open. You can kind of say what you want, but, uh, no, if you turn me loose, man, I, I'm, I'm a fuck guy. Um, but I, you know, I, I've trained myself so well though. So if I'm in a, in, in my surroundings, if I'm around where I feel like, you know, okay, it's not appropriate here. 
um, I, I'm pretty good at, at taming myself. I can, I can keep it under wraps, but, um, but yeah, if I'm, if I'm hanging out with the boys, um, or hell, even my wife, you know, I, I mean, it, I, I let it loose. That, that seems to be my go-to. I actually get in trouble from her cause I'm, I'm a, a, a goddamn guy. Um, <laughs> and, and she's one of the, you know, I'm one of those that I'm for, okay. I'm not damning God. That's not what I'm doing. Um, you're asking God to damn something else. So that's, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's my side of it. My wife is the complete opposite. She thinks you're damning God. So she hates when I say it, but, um, yeah, I'm the, those are my go-to. <laughs> Fair enough, bro. Well, some great answers there for five second frenzy. We've come to an end here of the interview wildcat, Chris Harris. And, uh, as usual, when I start to end the show, I like to to once again put my guest up on a pedestal. And, you know, I, I became a fan of wrestling in 1998. Um, and I watched, you know, WCW and the WWF during those Monday Night Wars. And once WCW had gone away and there was only WWF, I was so excited when I found out that this NWA TNA was taking place. And you know, uh, all these years later, it's 2021 now. It's, you know, nearly 20 years since the birth of NWA TNA. But I wanted you to know that, you know, from the most isolated city in the world, Perth, Western Australia, you had a fan over here, right here, that really appreciated everything you and your good buddy James did back then. And I just really hope that despite what happened in WWE and, you know, not being able to come back and do any of those stories with TNA that would have really been awesome. I really hope that you're a proud and, and you uh, of everything that you've accomplished in the wrestling business, because all the way over here, somebody appreciated everything that you put into it, my friend. Man, I, I can't tell you how much that means to me. I really appreciate that. Thank you for watching and being a, being a fan and a supporter because uh, you know, it, even from all the way over there in Perth, Australia, man, you, you were one of the guys that, you know, kept us in business, you know, without supporters like you, you know, who knows what would have happened. So I'm glad that uh, me and the rest of the guys could entertain you and thank you for being a wrestling fan. And um, you know, thank you for this, man. I, I, I really have enjoyed this. It's been great bullshitting with you and then talking, going over some old stuff. So, um, you know, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being a supporter. No worries, bro. Thank you so much. Uh, again, I just appreciate your time today. And uh, you know what? Um, I, I was such a fan of yours that I, I did a bit of a Marty McFly. I went back in time to, you know, the 1970s. And that's why we have the Perth Wildcats here. Okay. I'm just, I'm just letting that, that one out there right now. I do have to let you know, man. I, I, I've never been to Australia. I've heard nothing but it being a beautiful country. Uh, so if, there, if there's ever one place that I'd love to travel with, or travel to it would be there um but i do have to say man during uh, some of my indie dates and even the wcw run um i was traveling with a buddy of mine his name's ashley hudson oh um, yes i don't know if some people remember that name but he was such i mean him and i were so close traveling buddies and uh the only town the only city that i knew of in australia was perth and that's because that's where he's from yeah um so he would always uh he would you know, show me pictures from back home with his family and uh, yeah, beautiful country. But it's funny that you say you're, you know, you're from Perth, man, because that's the only, that's the only area I knew of from Australia. So uh, that's pretty cool. 
Yeah, Ashley's just, he's just like I've been trying to track him down for a long time. I spoke to Air Paris and he's mentioned me to him as well, but he's from Perth and, you know, he was in WCW and I think there's another guy, Mark Mercedes from Australia. He wrestled in WCW a little bit back then, but there weren't many Australians in the 90s that made it over there and, and actually got to wrestle in, in the big leagues over there. So, you know, that's one guy I want to track down because he is from Perth and I, I think the conversation would be fun, even though he's been out of the business for so long. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting because... Um... You know, I, I've missed having contact with him too all these years. And uh, within this past, I I was going to say year, but it may have been just in the past uh, six months. I tracked him down and found him. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'll pass I'll pass that along to you, man. But yeah, he's he'd be great to talk to. Yeah, he's been out of it for a long time, and uh, looking at some of his pictures and things, I mean, it uh, looks like he's got a beautiful family. But uh, he still lives here in the States. But, uh, you know, I'd love to catch up with him sometime. And I think that'd be cool for you guys to to catch up to or, or, or meet or, you know, however, you know, talk about, you know, Australia or wrestling or WCW. Yeah, we had a great, a great time together, man. He's an awesome guy. Awesome, bro. Well, uh, enough of Ashley Hudson. This was about you. So, Chris Harris, again, thank you so much for your time, sir. And, um, you know, it, this was just so much fun. I, I appreciate it, man. I had a really good time. I um, loved it. And uh, I know we probably went longer than what you're used to, but um, I, I, I didn't, there wasn't one moment where I was wishing this was going to end. So um, <laughs> it was very cool to talk to you. So thank you for having me. Thank you very much. Sir. Ladies and gentlemen, that was my interview with Wildcat Chris Harris. What a fantastic conversation. I think we just went nearly three hours. So what a hell of a conversation we did, bro. We did it. And this is going to be going up on the WCW Network on YouTube. Thank you to everyone out there for watching the Insider's Edge podcast. I'm your host with the most on the West Coast, California Imperial, alongside my new friend, Wildcat, Chris Harris. And we will see you next time. Thank you.